We are here today to tell you, fine people, about the unsung heroes at Nintendo That's of right. America. Maybe, you, you guys know the people, the people that you know. Maybe you're, and it's a dwindling number. Maybe you're thinking Doug Bowser, forget him. Maybe you're thinking Bill Trinan. Forget nope, about nope. him. After that, it starts to get a little iffy these days. Yeah, it's, um, a little, it's a little cloudy, right? We want to share with you some people who are a little bit behind the scenes, but are doing like really big and important things and have actually right. done things that are like historically important right to the company and to the video game industry i think not only historically important there there's a segment of people there but also people that are sort of they have the future of nintendo Indeed. in their hands as well so right. what they're doing what they're working on the stuff that they're pushing will probably determine what nintendo in the in the coming years will be like um and it might it's probably people that you guys don't wow. know and sounds and, so dramatic Dun, dun, dun. It's life or death. <laughs> well, isn't it though? <laughs> I mean, I could just, I, I'm yes. just here as a spectator. But now, these are all so. people that we worked with. These were people that we called co workers. Yes. And, uh, and for friends. For, you know, over yeah. a dozen years uh, or right. more. So, right. yeah, we want to share them with you today. Yes, that's going to be very fun. Um, of course, everything that we do here on this here channel is made possible by our wonderful, beautiful Patreon subscribers. Please join us at patreon.com slash Kit and Krista. You guys are the only reason we can keep doing this wonderful thing. When we say we're fan-funded, crowd-funded, whatever term you want to use, that means that's it. It's exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. That, I don't, that, have, I don't have, you know, the, the Bank of Japan wiring me money. <laughs> Twice a yeah, month, okay? We don't okay? have, like, investors. That doesn't you happen, You guys yes. are, you are the, the investors. investors. Right. Um, so if you want to keep hearing us share our insider stories with you, if you want to keep hearing us talk about the gaming industry from an insider's perspective, please, won't you support us? Yes. So we can keep this all going. Uh, we have uh, subscriptions that start as low as $2 a month. And we have five different tiers that'll get you all sorts of amazing things, including early access, exclusive content, and much more. So check it out. Yeah. yeah. We also have a free trial happening right now for you to get a chance to try our most popular tier, which is our notification squad. First, actually. Okay. Just kidding. First. I knew I was going to get that wrong. And I knew that you were going to correct me. Okay. Anyways. It's still cool. It's still cool. The notification squad is also very cool. Um, yeah. So you can try it out for yourself. That's right. And we have a fun little goal right now to get us hopefully to Japan in the summer. That goal is ongoing. We we do actually, this is not for like, we actually do need your help to get there. Like we cannot go without right. your support. So I, I think I saw a comment that was like, you're going to go anyway. Like we, <laughs> we literally cannot. It's kind of expensive to go to Japan. No, like we, yeah. like honestly, we, we do not have the funding to yeah. do it unless we have your <laughs> So, like, people who think that we're just going to go anyway, like, uh, no. Um, so, help us. Get to Japan. It's going to be great. Uh, one place we are going this week, though, oh, yes. is Super Nintendo World. That's right. We spent our money doing that. Yes. So that uh, much it. closer. Uh, I cannot wait. I'm really excited. I've been trying to keep myself from watching a lot of people's videos. Exactly. I've been, like... Spoiler-free. Spo trying to be as spoiler-free as possible. And, I don't know, I feel like you're less this but i really have it in my head now that i'm like i don't want to be disappointed i'm really concerned because i have both you and i have had so much um information about super nintendo world even before it was conceived right. like we were we were there when they shared like early comps of what this thing was going to look yeah. like what this thing was going to be 
my expectations are not managed, Nintendo. Like, this is a, the, like, as much as they were so good at managing my expectations, like, for most things, like, they're not managed anymore. Like, the, the hype is, is huge. So I don't want to be disappointed. Mm, it's true. We have known about this for longer um, than, than most people. Yeah. So it's just been on our minds for a long time. Right. Uh, we have a segment later on where we're going to actually call out, like, what would make a perfect day for us? Because we are spending yeah. a full day yes. from 8 a.m. Literally 8 a.m. <laughs> Why does a theme park open at 8 a.m.? I don't know. For you to meet, eat spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> before I get, before I get on rock. an augmented reality Mario Kart ride and puke. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, wonderful. Oh my God. But um, yeah, I have some things in mind. I don't know. The, the full range of outcomes is on the table for exactly. me. I can love it. I can hate it. I'm, I'm not a theme. I'm, when was the last time I went to a theme park? Like I don't never. know. You're not a theme park person. I'm a theme park person and I have really high expectations for theme parks. Like, yeah. I have been to pretty much all of the theme parks. Um, I've been to both Universals here and in Orlando. Um, I absolutely love the Harry Potter world. What they've done with that franchise in Universal is like top notch. And if you, they do not meet the mark for that, for this, I will be very disappointed. Get ready, Universal. Just kidding. <laughs> it's, it's like very <clears throat> dramatic today. I don't know why. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, we also have a great video that is out now uh, on a Super Kitten Crystal 64. We, we went back to the arcade. Yeah. Uh, we did some math. We said it was like maybe like 20 years, 20 years for us. And so we went to, before we went to a proper arcade. Yeah. Not just so seeing crazy. a machine here and there. Yeah. And um, it was really, really fun. We found some really cool arcades. And I guess now they're called barcades because they're bar arcade hybrids. It took San you a long Francisco? time to understand that this was two words mashed together. I, I know, I was like very confused by this. I was like, what is this exactly? But then I, I totally got it. And then I was like, oh, it's for like adults like us that want to yeah. recapture our childhood, but also drink. Got it. And then I realized this was a fantastic idea. Um, <laughs> but we found some really good ones in San Francisco. I was so surprised at just like the like the variety of machines they had there. Um, it wasn't just old stuff. Like they did no. have, I mean, there's not a ton of, but they had like Killer Queen. Yeah. They had. That was exactly. cool to see. And we were on the hunt to find some of our childhood favorite arcade machines um, and see if we can like recapture the magic. So you have to watch our uh, vlog to see if that happened. But yes. it was so much fun. Also, also some hot takes about pinball are shared in that video. Hot takes. Yeah. Yes. Very hot. The hottest of the takes. Yeah. Um, some other stuff we've been doing, uh, we have uh, a video up of us uh, playing the first hour of the Minish Cap. Not only the first hour, we but... We streamed that. But playing it for the first time. Yes. Like, both of us have never Correct. played Minish Cap before. We streamed that um, last week, and I think we both came away super impressed, impressed. by it. Yeah. And really excited to keep going with it, if you guys want to see more of a playthrough of that game. Yeah. I think we'd be more than happy to do that because it was so fun. We had a great setup where I was playing and you were on gamefacts.com. Dot com. We had that page open with the Aussie art of the logo and everything. Oh yeah. Just like oh, yeah. it was, you know, like it was, you know, 2005 exactly. Just the way it was right? meant to be played. Exactly. <laughs> no, actually, it, it, it did work well because yeah. Um, we were able to get through that first dungeon with minimal frustration. Uh, it's a little bit of frustration. But minimal. Minimal. You gotta yeah. pull that mushroom until you're red in the face. What's going on with the mushrooms in this game? You gotta tug at that mushroom. Treehouse was really they really hammy on, on one with this one. There was like, some jokes. <laughs> we can get away with a lot like, now. 
we have PG-13 today. Okay. Okay. I'm here for it. Um, yeah, I had a great, great fun, though, playing that. And it's so cute. Such a cute... Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not surprised. I'd always heard that was a great game. I just missed it because we learned that game came out after the DS had come out. Yeah. So I, at that so point, I was like, moved on I'd mentally DS. moved on and moved away from the GBA. Right, right. Glad, glad to be back. Exactly. I think that's exactly the timing yes. wasn't quite right. Uh, something else we're doing this week. Uh, when? I don't know. We're going to try and squeeze it in. Yeah, um, busy week. People are stressing out about the clo the impending closure of the 3DS and Wii U eShops. It's over. Um a few episodes back, we did in a Q&A some games that people yeah. should check out. Um, I don't think everybody caught that or yeah. people are still asking us. It was like kind of buried in like a so, longer podcast. So we're going to do two standalone videos uh, going through. We have 10 uh, 3DS games and five Wii U games. There's, there's, right. there's fewer. Honestly, it was kind of a struggle to get to five Gems <laughs> for the Wii U. <laughs> uh, but these are games that we stand by, we love, um, yes. that you should absolutely, at, at a minimum, check out. Yeah, before, check out before it all goes away forever. Yeah. And then, the, I mean, just get it, just in case, you know? So yeah. It's over. I mean, it seems like people are buying a lot of stuff. It's over. It's like, whoa. This is, like, this is panic buying. This, this is, is the new panic buying, this okay? This is the most it's dramatic no episode paper. that we've ever had. It's, a, <laughs> it's just everything is dire straits, guys. It's no longer toilet paper. It's affordable space adventure. That's that's the one game you should get. Oh. Panic buy affordable space adventure. <laughs> it's like the canned yeah. goods on the Costco <laughs> shelf just gone because you bought like yeah. 47,000 copies. I'm just stressed buying out the eShop right now. <laughs> one of everything. Instead of cans of beans, yeah. you got like yeah. 14 copies of affordable space adventures right. Right. on like 14 we use. Yeah. Good. Okay. That's cool. I'm okay um, with that. And then finally, um, if this is coming out on a Thursday, this is also happening. Thursday, there's a lot happening on this Thursday. Thursday is um, a busy day. But there's a new Mario movie trailer. The we'll, final. We'll be reacting to that. Yes, the final. Again. Is it all, really the final? I don't it's know. It's all ending, guys. Is it? It's all coming to an end. All of <laughs> the, this. It's, it's the end. It's the end. Of Mario trailers. It's the end, guys. <laughs> <laughs> This is the title of this podcast. It is the end. <laughs> but yes, we will be reacting to the final, they said, yeah. the final Mario movie trailer, which would be exciting to see. Yeah. And we were we were talking about, we are like, oh, they like moved the date up a couple of days? Uh, I will not be wearing an ill-fitting uh, Bowser costume like one Mr. Jack Black. I, don't, I would like to not have to censor anything. We'd like anything. to minimize the censorship of, of yeah. body parts uh, on, this on this channel. <laughs> Get spicy, guys. <laughs> Like a, like a this is network TV. Isn't there somebody in the back that's like, hey, put this, put this on. So wholesome. <laughs> he needed a larger size is what it is. Again, who had to write that email back to Japan? His one-up mushroom was out for the world to see. I would like to inform you <laughs> that certain that, parts of Jack Black were visible. That Jack Black's one-up mushroom <laughs> could be visible and had to be censored on the Kelly Clarkson show. Hot. Excellent. Uh, Urgent. He didn't <laughs> seem to mind. There's some urgency. He didn't seem to mind. He was loving yeah, Gary it. Loves he was it. loving life. He's like, this is me. Free wheeling. <laughs> Free wheeling. I thought office. you were going to say something else. You didn't. Let's move on. Oh. <laughs> this show. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Wow. BetterHelp. Um, Thank you. Learning about yourself is a lifelong process. There are things that I have learned about myself recently that I'll be honest, I didn't know 10 years ago, I didn't know 20 years ago, I just didn't know, but now yeah, I do. exactly. It's like funny to think about this in a deep way, but it's so true that we are different people throughout our life. Right. You don't just stay the same 
There's going to be things about you that things ha can happen to you right. that will fundamentally change um, who you are. And that could be a very uh, difficult thing to grapple with. You know, there's, there's experiences in your life that can make that challenging. Yes. I am an introvert. I'm a lifelong introvert. Mm. Uh, I have really come to understand that about myself. And I've also learned ways, sometimes you're, it's not the best thing to be an introvert in such, certain situations. I've learned how to manage that and get around that. And that is exactly the sort of thing that a BetterHelp therapist would love to talk to you about. Exactly. And there's lots of other things you can talk to your BetterHelp therapist about. You fill out a very easy and informative questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You can talk to your therapist in a variety of different ways, right. whatever is comfortable for you, phone, video chat, text, um, and you can get started with therapy really easily to help you manage through all the changes uh, in your life. Yes, very flexible, very convenient, very wonderful. Uh, discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Kit and Krista today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Kit and Krista. We will put the link right here and also in the description below, so please check it out. Gotta hit those P's. P! Better what? Better help. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, all right. All right, let's get into our, we have five unsung heroes of Nintendo yes, that we're talking our today. And we're actually little we're, story we're putting this in our today. story because I think we've got some stories about all these people. Yeah, good stories. Uh, and good examples <laughs> about just some of the why? Really amazing stuff and, and why you should, not you know, why, why these people should be on your mind. Yeah, and why they matter. And even if you're not seeing them or hearing from them all the time. Right, so. right. First on the list, one of my favorite people of all time. Really? I love her. Oh, I didn't know that. She's like someone that I really looked up to, I think. She's a, she is a great um, yeah, yeah, person for people to aspire exactly. to become. She yes. had a, a, just an amazing career path. But the, the person is Reiko Ninomiya, mm -hmm. and she is the Senior Director of Localization. Right. But she didn't start there. She started, like, you know, she's been at the company for a really long mm -hmm. time, and she really, like, worked her way up through her career trajectory to get to what she is now. Where did she start? She started in the localization, but, like... Not oh, not at the, obviously not director. at that role. Right. Yeah. I, nobody was born. I'm, I'm out of the womb. I'm the, the senior, senior director, director of localization. No, yeah, she started no. in localization, yes. but she like worked her way up, and now she like leads that whole that whole group. Right. I think people think like, oh, Nintendo's localization. It's like, well, that's Nate Bildorf or that's Bill Trennan. Um, Bill Trennan is actually a, a totally different department. Department. Now. In yeah. the, still in the treehouse, but he's not doing localization anymore, nope. and hasn't for a long time. Nate Bildorf is a he's a bigwig. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got the he's big Mr. promotion. He's Mr. Big Shot now. Yeah. So he is overseeing all of the treehouse, but he's no longer writing, you know, he's Mario not and Luigi like, games. He's like sploosh in the Wind Waker game anymore, guys. Right. He's like right. the big boss now. So yeah. he has to, and we talked about this a lot, like as the boss, you have to no longer do the work. Yeah. You're overseeing it, you're like more like, like overhead. Right. Um, but the person that is still like really deeply embedded. In localization and, and managing all of that and responsible for she all She is of in that charge of that team now. Is Reiko. Right. And one of the things that I have admired about her over the years is she has been very self-aware about all of the challenges that Nintendo localization has had over the years and has been very proactive in addressing those. That was my favorite thing about Reiko as well. Like she was always so like 
10 steps ahead. Yeah. Like she would get something from Japan. She would understand the implications of some of these sensitive localization issues that we would have in the Americas. Like Fire Emblem is a great example of that. We worked with Reiko so much on understanding like the marriages in Fire Emblem, those really sensitive things um, in a game like Fire Emblem when you bring it to the Western market. And she was always such an advocate for representation and for diversity and for like communicating that, not in a shy way back to Japan. And that's a really hard job and something that is just like a a, a really tiring fight, I think. Because yeah. you just have to like, it's like telling somebody like, a different language like they don't understand it's not right. their fault but they just it's just would, not something they're thinking of and you have to work really hard to convince them that something like this matters yeah. and she never would give up she would always like try to convince them and i yeah. always admired that and she her. would and she would also go beyond her team to get input on these topics so like yeah. she would very frequently come to us yeah and not like hey help help solve this problem for me but just like what do you think about this right exactly right and i can she, remember um Xenoblade Chronicles X on Wii U. Mm-hmm. There were they, at that point there were some outcries of like, oh, Nintendo is censoring these games. There were certain details that yeah. were taken out, or certain like mechanics that were taken out or changed. And we had real conversations uh, about that. Uh, more recently, I remember some scenes also from from Xenoblade Chronicles Three before we left. There were some scenes in that. She was like, "Do you think like?" given the climate of where we are now, like, yeah. is this going to fly? Is this going to be a problem? And she was just very open to everything that we had to say. And again, mm-hmm. it wasn't, please solve this problem for me. It was like, let's let's just talk this let's out and come, come to some reasonable conclusions. Yeah, I remember Animal Crossing too, the skin tone. Um, yeah. Being on Animal Crossing, worked really closely with Reiko on that. So yeah. she was like, and, you know, honestly, if she wasn't personally invested in this, she didn't have to do it. You know what I mean? Like, this is yeah. not something that her job, like, depended on, really. Like, right. she was still doing her job. This is, like, above and beyond her job. So, um, to have, like, this big, chonky thing that's extra on your plate that she really um, cared about, like, I really, I thought that was really great. Yeah, it's the bigger, I mean, most people think, oh, localization, you translate Just translate game. this game. This yeah. is kind of the broader sense yeah. uh, and definition of localization that's really yes. important. And they've come so far. They really have. Um, obviously, there's always, you know, more that you can push it. But um, th- and there's this, been some improvement, of some significant is, improvement. Yeah, this so. is without a doubt one of the most important departments that Nintendo of America has. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a true extension of development. Um, so they really need to have a strong handle on that team, and they do. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. We should say, these are all Nintendo of America people. Yes. We talked about that, and we thought, well, maybe maybe if, if people like this, we can do another one for different regions or different parts of the company. Yeah, but we thought we'd start here. Uh, because yeah, we'll start here. These are the people that we work the most closely with <clears throat> yes. and have the strongest relationships with. Uh, next, this person might have an asterisk next to his name because he recently retired. However. However. Truly historic and groundbreaking contributions. Yes. Uh, his name is Lance Barr. Have you heard of him? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, he retired a couple years ago, and and he at the time he was the director of design. Um, we knew him as a very unassuming guy who was right. overseeing the design team, which is you know, managing artwork and assets and mm-hmm. packaging. And, and the really amazing <clears throat> thing about Lance too, before you learn about his historical significance, is he was always like on the ground. Like, he would attend meetings yeah. where it was, like, very much like a working meeting. He approved all of the um, creative for Nintendo Minute. Like, yeah. he approved all our logos. Yeah. 
um, and even like smaller marketing materials, he would kind of be paying attention to this kind of stuff. But <clears throat> the reason he's on this list is, you know, from contributions decades and decades ago. So he designed the NES and the Super NES. Um, remember, the, the Famicom has a different design from Completely, the NES. Yeah. The Super Famicom has a different design. And with good reason, like, they were coming off of the Atari video game crash. And they had some very specific needs of, like, this needs to not look like a toy. This needs to look like it would fit in with an entertainment, you know, set up in somebody's house. Yeah. Um, and those are, like two of the most iconic designs that we have, and he's really responsible right. for creating those. Which is crazy to think that he did that, and then he just kind of like, also did the logo for Nintendo Minute. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's insane like how big and small his projects have ranged. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I just, I, I honestly don't think we saw him, you know, at the height of his brilliance, obviously at the end of his career, but like, these are like truly historical implications mm -hmm. of, that, that played, you could argue a big part in mm -hmm. the NES taking off and, yeah. and the video game industry being revitalized of yeah, people saying like, totally. no, I don't just want to buy another junky Atari kind of thing. I want something that's different. And that looks really nice. And yeah, he was responsible for all of that. Yeah. So every occasionally he would, you know, regale us with a story of like how this happened. And I know. I love those. Like this it apparently sounded like he had very little time to make these designs right. or, you know, some debate he had with somebody in Japan about it. It's like, wow, yeah. this is A, a totally different era. Right. But B, just like hearing history as it happens. Right, right. Um, so I think if you Google his name, I think he over the years did get to do a handful of interviews, not a lot, mm -hmm. uh, but they're worth, they're worth, he's a person worth Googling and, yeah, and, and, and reading up a, little a little about. Bit. Again, again yeah. he's retired. But he worked at the company um, for how many years? 30, oh, I mean, more than 30 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he started he, in like the early 80s. He got the, the cranky complex, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, when you worked at Nintendo for a long time, you get different like little statues, statues or little, yeah. little gizmos and gadgets. Right. Uh, we both have the Donkey Kong. We have the Donkey Kong. The Donkey Kong. Yeah, we're, we're not we're, cranky We yet. should go through those one day also. Yeah, we should. Those we should. are fun. We have those. Um, next, we're going back to localization, but kind of mm -hmm. a new up-and-coming generation yeah. of localization. And frank, frankly, we could do... This whole list could be localization. Yeah. Uh, this is our last localization. You thought to not have list. a not have a list full of localization people, which I get. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, there's obviously that's hugely important, but there's there's more that's happening. Uh, this person is Morgan Ritchie, who yes. I actually don't know what his title is. I think he might be localization producer, or localization manager. Yeah, I don't know. His something title like either. that. Something like that. You I guys probably seen Morgan a little bit on like. Treehouse, Treehouse Live. Live, he's occasionally yeah. been he's on. He's occasionally been on there. But I think Morgan to me is like almost almost the game developer. Um he like he has really specific talents in that area beyond like again what you might think when you think of localization just like translating and writing. He's doing that. Right. But um, he had some significant contributions um, for the um, Nintendo World Championships when uh, the Mario Maker levels were announced. Him and another guy at localization who actually is no longer at Nintendo. He's since left, yeah. Since I, think left. He went, I think he went, he went to, to Valve. I think he went to Bungie. A oh, Bungie. Yeah. One, one of those Seattle. One of those. One of those. One of those Seattle companies. Yeah. But um, they actually like made all of those incredible 
Mario Kart levels and Mario Maker. I'm sorry, Mario Mario Maker levels, and it was crazy because they were telling us like the development team was like, oh yeah, this is yeah, they were very you guys impressive. are there. Those were like, very you guys are yeah. pretty much on our level, <clears throat> right. you know, which is incredible. Yeah, so they they worked on that um, and got the big kudos for that. There was a great moment when they were told like those would be in with the final game. That was yeah. really sweet to see. But right. you you think of like okay, well Nate Bulldorf. He's trapped in a meeting now. He can't write this game. Like, who, <laughs> oh, no. who is? And it's him. And right. obviously there's, you know, dozens and dozens of other people, but he really epitomizes that Nintendo approach to localization and game writing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think like, oh, if you're in localization, you have to know Japanese. He doesn't know Japanese. No. Uh, there are people who do translation and will give you just kind of the straight translation. And then you have to like jazz it you up punch with it actual up. writing. You punch it up, you make it make sense. You do you do the work from there. Yeah. So that's exactly what he's doing. Um, and he really, again, is, is epitomizing that for the next generation. They're continue, continuing to do amazing things in the treehouse. Next is a name I am pretty sure nobody has ever heard. Right. Um, but she has some power. Oh, this power. Yes. <laughs> uh, her name is Wendy Moulet. She's the vice Wendy. president of merchandise and entertainment, which that, I think that might be a new title for her. I, I did have it to, it, I had to check her. Check her. I checked her LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. I had to double check. Stocking, yeah. Stocking uh, I just needed <laughs> to confirm Wendy. some information. <laughs> <laughs> You're like secretly messaging no. her. Hi. Bring me back. Wendy. <laughs> Um, all of this, you know, new wave of Nintendo stuff beyond games, um, has been a huge boon to the company and she has really been like the driving force yeah. behind, um, a lot of it. Right. Um, interestingly, she got her start in legal. Right. Which is unusual. But I think also works. Makes because sense. all of this stuff requires like license agreements and right. IP sort of. You know, that, that side of legal, which can be extremely yeah. difficult to negotiate. If, so she has good background. If you that. get somebody in legal who can really, like, understand other parts of the business, like, that's somebody who can go all the way to the top. Like, right, so right now, yes, the head of marketing at Nintendo of America is Devin Pritchard, yeah. who was the head of legal right. until about, like, a year and a half ago. Yeah, when we were leaving, when that transition yeah. was happening, head of, she the, was made the, the head, head of marketing. The head of marketing unexpectedly left, yeah. and she stepped in in an interim role. And then they were like, well, you're too good. You keep I think people realize, like, <laughs> oh, no, this actually makes so much sense to have, because it's, like, it's like, what are the, again, the, the most important functions that NOA has it's like, well, legal's one of them, marketing's one of them, probably localization's the other one. Yeah. So now we've got somebody who really understands both. Right. And I don't know, I think we both know, like, you know, whenever Doug Bowser decides to retire, she's probably going to be line. the next in line yeah. to, to get that role. But anyway, yes. Wendy Moulet. Um, she, I think you worked with her more than I did. I did. So why don't yeah. she, yeah. I, <laughs> I, um, so I worked with her a lot because I was managing the relationship between communications and strategic initiatives, which we've talked about a little bit, um, which was under Wendy. And again, this was like just really growing at this like exponential rate um, in the last few years when we were at Nintendo because it was becoming like entertainment and merchandising was becoming this like huge pillar for Nintendo's business. But before it was just like, let's just do the games and the hardware, the software and hardware, that's it. But now it's like, obviously you got theme parks and movies and partnerships with Lego and, and clothing companies and these huge like other brands that you're doing these um, collaborations with. 
And so her role has really become, you know, extremely important within the last few years. And um, yeah, like you think you, when you think about like who is responsible for Universal coming to um, Hollywood, who is responsible for liaising with the people at Illumination with the movie from a NOA perspective, who's, you know, deciding what the next partnerships are on like a Lego level or with another big brand, it's Wendy. So yeah, we, we heard about some of the, the, also some of the bigger picture things that she was trying to look mm -hmm. into. And, and again, like who knows if, if she can actually do yeah. them. Or if, like, the team's She's in, very ambitious. If the teams in Japan would, would let her do it, but it's like, Oh, well that, that makes That's a lot a of, one. that makes a lot of sense. And that would make a lot of people happy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, she, Keep talking about Wendy here. I'm, try, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to formulate. Keep, keep going. Keep going, please. I mean, yeah, she's awesome. All right, fine. <laughs> it's Wendy. Good. Yes. Uh, our last person here. Again, we're going back to the throwbacks here. Uh, this is this was like employee, like I don't know, two, two, five, like I don't know, yeah. for, for NOA employee overall. Two. Yeah. Don James, who is currently uh, the chief operating officer, right, uh, at Nintendo. But again, like got his start when they were like assembling arcade machines in, in New Jersey. That's right, yeah. Um, and this is the person who, if you want to hear some crazy Nintendo stories. Origin stories. Of the past, like, you, you go to him. There's some, and he'll some just, weird ones. He'll just go and go and go and go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, like, it's like yeah, this is before the company even came to Seattle. Like, right. he was a part of it. So like he, in New York. He has truly seen... It all. Everything. Yes. Um, but has had, like, a hand in some really important stuff, so... He is actually one of the co-creators of E3. Right. Um, back when, you know, the ESA was like, well, we got to come up with this show. Like, he was the person from Nintendo who was helping to shape that with, with other people, too. Right. Um, and E3 really became a huge passion point for him over right. the years. Yeah. And that became, like, really his big focus. Um, and he managed the, the, you know, huge events team that Nintendo had, the experiential marketing team, as they were called. Right to bring like a really incredible E3 experience to life. So all of those booths that you guys love so much, like the Zelda booth and the Animal Crossing, whatever, like that was all done, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and for for those people who hadn't been to an E3, like a lot of the booth experiences there, like they're mostly functional, but mostly kind of painful to be in as well because yeah. you're just getting assaulted from all different senses. Mm -hmm. Um, it's crowded. It's not, a, it's not necessarily a super fun place to be, but art booths, like we would have people come to just to be like, it's just a good vibe. Yeah. Um, it was like the Disneyland experience. I feel like I'm getting away is. from the hustle yeah. and bustle of the show, but still getting everything that I need to, you know, do my job right. at E3. So he really had a magic formula for that. Mm -hmm. He that really worked. Did. Yeah. And and that nobody could really replicate. And I think the other thing about Don is this is something that is just immensely important at Nintendo is relationship building. Yeah, yeah. And obviously when you're at one place for a plus 30 years, you're going to have some pretty deep relationships yeah. with, with a lot of people. And he had that kind of relationship with the design team in Japan. Um, they trusted Don, and I think that made it made it possible for him to like ask for certain things mm -hmm. and know what where he can push um, right. to make you know certain things happen. Because as we've talked about before, um, the Japanese team is really really strict about how you can use the IP, right? Um, and bringing it to life, like in a in a 
sense of like a booth or a statue or something like that, that's like the hardest thing you could possibly yeah. ask to do. So, um, so as the COO, like he he has eventually come to oversee a lot at the company. So there's you know the trade shows part of it. Yeah. There's design. Mm -hmm. um, I think all the testing work. Um, either was at some point or still is through him. And then there's all the operations, which over the pandemic became such a jigsaw oh my puzzle gosh, of the like, stuff. oh, this, you know, this factory shut down or like, oh, we have, we've got to send these things on these boats now. And like, yeah. sometimes you would hear about this, like, I don't understand a lick of how this works, but, but I'm glad, I'm glad it. somebody does. Yeah. Because <laughs> this seems important. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Glad it wasn't us because that sounds hard. Right, like it's so like the conversation around like, oh well, Metroid Prime remastered sold out. Like we need to we need to fast track some more game cards. Like yeah. he's involved in that conversation of like, how can we get these assembled and put out as and quick, what the timeline as quickly as like. possible? What, yeah. are, what are all the options? What are the scenarios? How do we do that? Exactly. Um, you worked with him on a fun project that we'll talk about in depth yes, later. I got to know Don really, really well on a really fun project, and I think that's my favorite. One of my favorite projects that I ever worked on in Nintendo, so we got to save that for a, a, a standalone story time. But yeah, Don and I got real tight on <laughs> working on that together. <laughs> yeah, he's another person <laughs> whose name you could look up, and over the years he has done some interviews. Yeah, um, that are illuminating. I think he's also been in some books back when Nintendo was still open to contributing to different books. Right, right. So again, he's somebody who has really been important over like. How many decades now? Five decades? Five, yeah. He has to be getting close like, to retiring. I was going to say, like, every single time we had one of those retirement ceremonies, it, it's called the Celebration of Service, um, which we will tell you guys about another time as well. Um, but uh, I'm always like, he's always the MC too. He's, he's yeah. like the longest running employee there. This <laughs> so it's like, is, is he going to get up there and just announce, like, by the way, I'm also retiring? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's been so long. Um, he's in the same, like, class, basically, as... As Lance, I think. So when think Lance some, retired, I was like, wait, is Don next? They see, they were really good friends. I think some people yeah. like kind of, you know, make it to retirement. Like, oh, I made it. I can't. Now I can finally retire. I think he like wants to get, he wants he's to still having going. a lot of fun. He wants it. With his yeah, job and he loves that. it. So I think he wants to keep doing it for I as long so. um, for him. as he can. Good for him. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah to, to, you know, to be in that place where you feel that way about your job. Like that's. Really cool. Right. Funnily about him, he also has embraced the Nintendo is doomed meme. Oh yeah, like, that's true. <laughs> anything so something happens, like, well, we're doomed. Yeah. So obviously that's what it, that's what it is. Every time just every time something happens, I always look over at him like, is he gonna say it? <laughs> say the thing. <laughs> say it. <laughs> He's also a very skilled Mario Kart player. Really? Mario Kart DS. Oh, I didn't know that. Jam. Oh. Every he used wow. to play with the design team like every day at like four o'clock they would stop to play a couple games of oh. Mario Kart. Okay. And the design team was always like, Lance totally kicked my butt. Like I'm sorry, uh, Don totally kicked hmm. my butt. Because um, he was wow. really, really good okay. at Mario Kart. Anyways, yeah. Uh, so those are five people that you I, I guarantee you hadn't heard of all five. Wendy. Uh, yes, <laughs> Wendy and others. Um, but yeah, these. I hope you enjoyed a glimpse at, at who these people are and learning a bit yeah. about them and what what's happening beyond Doug Bowser and Bill Trinan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the uh, drastically dwindling number of people whose whose faces you see and who, Nate. Can, who can say things. Nate. Yeah. Nate, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. All right. Yes. Uh, moving on to uh, never a minute. We're talking. We're going back to Super Nintendo World. Brought talking to you about by that. Chef Toad. <laughs> we have the Chef Toad already. Uh, we have each made a list of three things that would make a perfect day. 
at Super Nintendo World. So this is this is like we're envisioning, we're visualizing. Yes, manifest, manifest yes. people, manifest. It's gonna happen if we talk about it. Mercury is it in retrograde? I don't know. We gotta manifest the <clears throat> right. perfect day. And again, I have not. I'm like already psyching myself. You seem out a little worked up. I'm a little worked up. <laughs> Why don't you go first? All right. Uh, the first thing on my list is uh, limiting stress. So uh -huh. one of the reasons I don't like going to theme parks is they seem like quite a stressful place to sure. go. Yeah, it's crowded. Where it's crowded with people. You gotta stand on the lines. The lines seem mm -hmm. endless. It's like, I mean, we've already been talking about this. Well, when you get through the doors at 8 a.m., we need to run to the, the thing <laughs> so that we don't have to wait in line for three hours. Like, well, that doesn't sound very fun. Yeah. Um, I think we've put together a good schedule. We, right. have, we have a good plan. We're going in the middle of the week. No one go that day. For a reason. By the way. For a reason. <laughs> You're planning on going this week. Don't go. That was intentionally <laughs> planned that way. Oh my God. Um, I think I think we are doing everything we can to limit stress. But again, part of me just thinks theme park equals stress. So yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're not a, again, you're not a theme park person. Um, one of the things on my list, speaking of you, is I just want you to have a good time. Oh. Because it's your birthday month starting this month. <laughs> And we're, we are going to celebrate your birthday there. Yes. And I am a theme park person, and I've always tried to convince you. You're also a you, birthday person. <laughs> I also love birthdays. Not just my own, but everybody else's too. Um, I feel like I've tried to convince you for a long time to go to theme parks. Mm. Like whether it's like, you know, I went to that Star Wars, the new yeah, Star Wars yeah, land yeah. at Disneyland. And I, you're such a big Star Wars fan. I think you would really love that. So I'm like, maybe if this trip goes really well, mm. like you will be converted. That's possible. Into a potential theme park person. And then you can go and enjoy some of the other okay. ones that you may have missed. Like, because I grew up, like my mom took me to Disneyland. Like I have such fond memories. Yeah. I, I try to go to a theme park, like, you know, every year to, because I, I like it. I think yeah. it's fun. I mean, I, I totally get the stressful part of it and, and the crowds. But um, yeah, I think like... It would be great if we could just have a good day and you could have a good time and not puke on a Mario Kart ride and be grumpy. And I feel like I'm like a, I'm like, you're like a child. Not puking is not on my list, I should say. It's on my list. Oh, no. <laughs> That's part of you having a good time. But yeah, I just, I just feel like this could convert you. And if it can, like, that would be awesome. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's possible. All right. Uh, my next one is to see or experience something that is genuinely surprising. Ah. So this goes back to us. We, we've known about this for years. Yeah, we've seen before, a lot of before videos before it was of announced. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, like concept videos. I do still think though there's a good chance of this happening mm -hmm. because people say like, oh, the park is jam packed with little secrets or details or little yeah, hidden little Easter, Easter eggs. eggs. Yeah. And I don't think I've seen everything. Yeah. Uh, I think I would have a good eye for that kind of thing. Right. And I think I will be surprised. Right. So I'm optimistic about this. Yeah, one. yeah. For me, um, one thing that's really important to me now that, you know, there is sort of a, a new bar that's been set for theme parks is this idea of immersion and yeah. escapism. Like that is what I really loved. For example, I keep going back to the Star Wars world because that's the latest one that I've been to where I had this feeling yeah. where you, as soon as you like step into that land, you were you were no longer in California. You were no longer living your life, you know, um, your normal life. Uh, you were you were a character. You were living in that universe. Yeah. And that like entry moment is so important. And the way that they they construct it, where you can't like it's like almost like a fence. 
like you're in a dome, you know, that you can't see out anymore. And so your brain does a thing where you're like, I'm here, I'm in the Star Wars world, I believe this. Um, they do a really good job in that world with the way that they do the line for their big ride, where even though you're waiting in line for quite a long time, it's all like a setup to get you into the mindset of like, oh my God, I am on a smuggler ship. I have to escape the dangerous, like the, the danger that's coming my way. Like you like believe it. You're like, oh no, I have a real sense of like, you know, danger or like a sense of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this world. I, I want them to do that. But for this, for, for Mario, you know, cause this is something that I grew up with. So I like, again, I just have like the highest expectations to feel like I am a character in the Mushroom Kingdom. Like I want to be, take me on a journey <laughs> on this Mario Kart ride where I do feel like I'm like trapped in Bowser's castle and I need to escape somehow. There's a sense of danger or a sense of excitement. Like I want, I want to be convinced and I, I'm nervous that I won't be. So mm. that's the, 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 the piece that I'm like, please, please do it right. Anytime I see the video of somebody going through that warp pipe, I always just turn it off. Or just keep scrolling. I know, it's like me I don't, too. I don't. I don't. That's want the whole that point. To be like spoiled. that is your, yeah. your, your. Again, you're like leaving your life and going into this world, right? You know. Yeah. And I hope that that moment pays off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, my last one might might be surprising to you is to, to bond with other Nintendo fans. Oh, I usually keep nice. to myself. Yeah. Uh, I don't usually want to chat people up or get caught up in some conversation. But yeah. in this case, it's like, yeah, we we're all here for the same reason. Great. Uh, and I think that's a really unique setting to have. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think it could be really fun to, you know, see what other people are feeling about it. We know that we have some Patreon subscribers yeah. who are going to be there on We're the same excited. day. Who we are excited to uh, meet up with for the first time. So that kind of communal yes. shared that's experience. That's exciting thing about going to a theme park is that you, you know, you right. obviously you have one thing in common, you know? This is something I, I am generally not interested in 99% of my life, but, th but this, in this case I am. <laughs> Um, my last thing is food related because I'm always thinking about food <laughs> when I'm eating my breakfast. I think about my lunch and then I'm just thinking about food all day. Like the food, I have looked at some of the food photos um, and they, it looks really amazing. Looks good. Yeah. And then I've heard some, some other like contrasting opinions about how the food at the um, Hollywood location is like vastly, it's like, it's like really bad compared to the one in Japan. Ah. So now I'm like, again, I have like worked myself into a frenzy. Oh no. I'm all frothy about the food, the food being it's a, good. It's a frothy food frenzy. It's a frothy food frenzy. Yeah. But. Chef just, Toad. Have faith in Chef Toad. Please, Chef Toad. Don't. He's working hard. The Harry Potter world food. It is so good. I, I would legit like eat at that restaurant on a regular basis. What do they eat in the world of Harry Potter? It's like British a food. A Gryffindor? Do you no. eat, can you eat a Gryffindor? No, a Gryffindor is, is not an animal. It's not? No. No. <sighs> and once again, I will forever stop talking about Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, it, it's not only like themed. Yeah. You know, there's one thing to have the food look cute and themed, which is what they have here. Mm -hmm. But it needs to taste good. It needs to be well, like yeah. good quality food. It yeah. can't just be like, you can't just phone it in, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I am excited to, to eat it and, and judge it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm also very excited for the videos that we're going to make. We've got ideas for a couple that we're going to do. Yes. And I really just want to show people the park through our eyes because I wonder how many people want to go to this but just can't. 
Yeah. You know, either because it's a, it's expensive mm -hmm. or it's far away yeah. or it's just, you know, not in their plans. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I do think that is something that's like really important is like mm -hmm. sharing that experience and, yeah. and let what us it's like. take you on a journey and we'll give you obviously our like right. very honest, like in the moment reactions as we normally always do. And I think we'll be able to tell you some, some insider stuff too, as we go through it to see if, you know, we pick up anything that was something that we had seen before yeah. or something that, you know, that stands out to us. That's interesting. I yeah. think we'll have some, some really fun, like little discoveries yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. We're so excited. All right. Uh, on to the games we are playing. Oh boy. And we are getting started with our final Like a Dragon Ishian check-in because we both finished, we finished the game. We finished the game. Both of us. Oh my gosh. Uh, I think you finished it a day after I did? I did. Yeah. That was great. We both really, I think we both really like this game. Yes. You had mentioned that it might be in your top 10 for the year. I think it will be. It's very Again, early. it's only March, but yeah. have, a good, have a good feeling our, about it. We both started our Roger Space inspired 2023 games right. tracking I also, I also put a, a Bodhi flag by this game because this game is a Bodhi contender. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely Bodhi contender. Um, but yeah, what were your, your thoughts now that you have completed the game? Um, again, we don't review games, but but if we did, I think I would give this like close to a nine. I would say eight point five. And out of it's one of those things where like my brain says like maybe an eight or an eight and a half, but my heart is like no, this this was more than that. Oh, your heart. So it it you know there is that like <laughs> the, the personal tilt. Yeah. Of it's like yeah, there's sure. there's what it is, but then there's kind of like how it resonated with you. Right. Uh, I would give it higher. I thought this game had a really good ending. I did too. Uh, which is always can always be dicey for mm -hmm. a game. Yeah. Uh, I think this game did not wear out its welcome, like a lot right of length. like a lot of games do these days, mm -hmm. where it's like, well, we added this twenty hours of padding. Yeah. I finished this at about twenty five hours. Right. I mean, it said I was two percent complete with this. this well, there, game. yeah. So the main story, if you just do the main yeah. story, it's about twenty. 20, There's like hours. almost infinite side stuff. Right. If you, if you choose to do it, it's all completely it's very fun though. Optional. Um, mahjong, naked mahjong. And I really went on a journey with the historical stuff of this game. Yeah. Because it is really deep and it's really unapologetic about throwing it at you. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's part of the reason why they didn't bring this out in the outside of Japan in the first place. Because like, people aren't going to understand this. Sure. Um, but every time I would I would see something that was interesting or hear about a character and I would Google them, it was like, oh, that was actually a real person. Yeah. And I could see, you know, what their role in this history was uh, and how they fit into everything. And that did give it this great layer of depth. Right. And I'm, so Ubisoft's making this uh, ninja Assassin's Creed game that I've been nervous about. This, this You're game, like wondering if this, this game's years away. And it's like yeah. this game kind of nailed almost everything I want out of an Assassin's like Creed a, game. Like an, the historic aspect of an Assassin's yeah, Creed great. game. Yeah, the, the thing it didn't have is the whole, you know, huge city traversal. Yeah. This was this ultimately was a pretty enclosed Yeah, you're place you to were on like maybe four or five streets, really. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot going <laughs> on there and I, and yeah. I didn't get tired of it. No, not at all. But we are not exploring like, you know, 500 square miles of Japan. Right. Like right. you would in an Assassin's yeah, Creed. Yeah, you were very concentrated into this like very um, these these neighborhoods, these little neighborhoods right. in Kyoto. But I never would have guessed that this series would have had the historical depth. Mhm. Mm that you would typically see in an Assassin's Creed or that thing where it's like, 
oh, this person who was a figure in history is is very cleverly woven yeah. into the game. Right, right. Uh, I never would have guessed that this series would have done that. And I'm just continue to be worried about the Assassin's Creed game <laughs> set in Japan. Oh, boy, yeah. Because... I just think it's hard. I mean, I, so I was listening to the 8-4 podcast, which is a great podcast. You should all listen oh, to. Oh, yeah, I love that. And part. they were talking about how, like, yeah, in Japan, these, you know, this his, this period of time, a lot of these characters that are in this game are super well-known. They're, like, household names. Like, everybody right. learns sure about everybody it in school. everybody learns about it. Yeah, exactly. And for me, it's like, I don't, I don't know any people. It's like the George I, Washington of Japan. <laughs> I took a semester of Japanese history in Japan, in college. I did, and, too. And all of this is like, psh, I don't remember. I don't remember this at all. I'm I don't a remember history major, and I the, had to take this. The sad but. truth is, like, out, I think, in the West, like, studying Eastern history is not mandatory. as much a thing as it is studying Western history. Yeah. No, that's so not good. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I worry about what Ubisoft might feel, like, how they have to approach it. Like, do they right. feel like they have to dumb it down because this is not accessible? Right. There's no connecting points? Like, like okay, Sakamoto Ryoma, we know him now. Can, like, can the average person name one person from Japanese history? I don't think so. I don't think so. I had to look up a lot of this stuff because right. I really, truly did not remember. And it is complicated. It is very complicated. It's a complicated history. history. Yeah. It's not as like, I think it's not as like a, a you know storybook as some of the right. things that they've you know that Western history tries to do, like right. kind of simplify it in a way where it's easy to understand. The other thing is. What I didn't, what I really liked about this game is that they really don't dumb this stuff down for you. Yes, <laughs> they really just like throw you in. And you and I were like living and dying every every day as we play this game by the the story thus far. Recaps. The end of chapter recaps are and lifesavers. They life saved. They were total lifesavers for us because I would I would play the chapter and meet all of these characters and do all of these things and then be like, wait, who? Was that again? Like that seems important, but I don't remember. Like With a lot of characters to keep yeah. track of. So that was like they really like just kind of fire hose the information yeah. to you. But I think what most Japanese historical games or games set in Japan, you know, like um, Ghost of Tsushima or something like that, they kind of like, they take a more just like a, um, what is that word? Like it, it's more of like a, uh, like a typical approach, I guess, where it's like, you know what a samurai is. Yeah. You know, you know. They're like, not getting into that level of detail. Exactly. So you're, it's like very surface level, but you still it's like, enjoy oh, it. Oh, the Mongols have invaded. Yes. Let's fight them. We are samurai, and right. we have to fight. It's kind this. of that's where they leave it. You exactly, know? Yeah. and that's and that's been done. Yeah. You know, so like for this Assassin's Creed game, if they go that route of being like surface level, like I think we've already done that every which way. Yeah. So it wouldn't add a like a level of uniqueness to yeah. it, and this game like showed me when you go deep. It does have implications on how someone consumes the story, mm -hmm. but it also makes it feel really unique, which is what I really liked about it. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think the other thing that was really good about this game is, like, we talked about this a lot, but it does like even at the end of the game where it was getting like really dramatic and like pretty serious, like there's some serious things going on. Like it still had like a bit of a level of campy yeah. campiness, which was kind of nice. Like there was one mission toward the very end of the game where you have to take this girl like around Kyoto, kind of on like a date, yeah. like, a, like a date on the town. And like, it's like right before you know you're about to do this like huge end of the game battle and you're like singing karaoke and like drinking at the bar and there's a whole chapter where you just like get really wasted with yeah. your friends you know at the sake bar so it, it still like maintains this like really 
heartwarming sense of humor and like character development and you really feel like these people could be your friends or you ever like relate to them um even though they're like characters from ancient japan and like they're about to like do this you know insane battle yeah yeah i also would say the the action i i really respect the the fighting in this yeah. game the combat because when i first started I was like okay there's four different stances but you can kind of mash your way through it and by the end, you it do like kind of hard. You do need to get pretty precise with it and get to know it. And it's not like the deepest thing in the world, but there's more there than you think. Yeah, there's more strategy than you think, and like more, you have to think through like how you're using the different stances to your advantage towards the yeah. end. Like there were some some areas where I was like, oh, I have to switch to this other stance. Right. Like I'm really like forced to use yeah. all of the, the stances available to me. Um, but yeah, the, the combat was like really interesting. It was, at first I was like, not sure I like this. <laughs> um, but then like I got used to it. And I yeah. think once I started like leveling it up and like really understanding that skill tree and all that stuff, it's pretty like, it was, you know, it's pretty customizable. Yeah, so. yeah. But yeah, it's, I think it's great that we both love this game. I haven't seen a ton of people talking about it, so I'd say it's worth a look. Yeah. For sure. Uh, you've already moved on to your next game, though. I have. Finally, Hogwarts Legacy. I was wondering when you would get to this game. I know. Or whether you would play it at all. Yeah. I, we have to really eat some curl on this one because we both gave it, we predicted a really bad Metacritic score for this game. Obviously, that's not the case. And we were like, oh, we were so wrong. And, um, you know, I was interested in this game, but I was worried that it was going to be bad. Uh, of course, then I saw that it wasn't bad and people were loving it. So I was like, I have to get into this, but I wanted to give myself some time because um, I knew I was going to play Ishin before this. But now that I'm done, I'm finally digging into Hogwarts Legacy. I've played probably, I'm like five hours in at this point, I think. Um, it's awesome. Like as a Harry Potter fan, like they do so many things. There's so many little details that would be so easy for them to just not do. Like, there was this part in the very, very beginning of the game, and um, I was telling you about this. Uh, in, in the world of Harry Potter, there's basically like these horseless carriages, and you can only see the horses pulling the carriage if you watch someone die in front of you. And they had this scene where um, your character watches someone die. This is literally the first like one minute of the game, so I'm not spoiling this for anybody. And you turn around and uh, in this like moment of like drama and all of the horses just appear out of nowhere because you have watched that person die. And it's like those little details, like what? You could totally like just gloss over something like that. But for someone that is a fan of the series and have, you know, has been, you know, with the series for a long time, like it means a lot to have these little details in the game and like, they had a really great like sorting hat ceremony, a really great like choose your wand moment. I was like, oh, I'm so in. So you you got what house? Is that what they call them? Yes. What did you? Would you have like restarted the game if you did not? You do. You I can, mean, can it, you do it again? It lets you choose. This it, seems yeah. important. Like people it's, seem very invested. So in you this. kind of like do a little quiz in the beginning. It's pretty easy to tell what you're gonna get, honestly. Okay. Um, but I got Ravenclaw, which I'm I'm okay with. Usually I'm a I'm a. Can you eat that too? No. <laughs> Stop it. I don't know. <laughs> Usually I'm a Gryffin Gryffindor. I was sorted into Gryffindor when I did like the the, the official the official sorting. Okay. Um, but I was like, no, I'll I'll go with Ravenclaw. I, I I haven't done this I haven't pictured myself down this path before. So. Does the game like 
split paths depending on what you get. Maybe it's maybe it depends on like I feel like you're probably meeting characters depending on which path you choose. Yeah. I don't know. I actually don't know hmm. for if that's true or not. But like I'm a Ravenclaw and the two sort of main characters that I've met along my journey, one is from Gryffindor and one is from Slytherin, which is the other two houses. So I wonder if I picked a different house would I've met characters from other houses? You know, I don't I don't know. Um Story is very interesting. You said this takes place in the past versus like right. the Harry Potter timeline. Right. Yeah, it's like in the 1800s. So you don't see no. the characters. Do people but live longer in Harry Potter? Some wizards do wizards? live longer. Are they wizards? Yeah, they're wizards and witches. Okay. They live longer. If you have the you have the sorcerer's stone, you can live a really long time. But you shouldn't do that because that's not yeah, yeah. It's bad for it's you? It's not natural. Okay. To extend your life like mm. that. But, um... There's a professor, Professor Weasley is in the game, and of course Weasley is a a very important family in Harry Potter, and your best friend is Ron um, Weasley. Harry's best friend is Ron Weasley in Harry Potter. So there is like a, a past relative apparently that is like the headmat, like the standing headmaster, head, headmistress of um Hogwarts. So I'm trying my hardest to follow. Fall, along I'm with sure this. People are like, <laughs> just nodding at you. <laughs> yeah, so squinting. there are familiar names of characters from the, those families. Black is another one that people know a lot about from the Harry Potter series that's in this game. The Black family seems suspicious. Gotta know what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. It's really good though. Okay. Like I really like the um the combat. It's like the sp- the wand, like the spells yeah. or whatever. It's like really interesting how they do it. They, they like learn different spells. You can like do these hotkeys to, to use the different spells to your advantage during combat. Um, there's like this fun little, like almost like a little puzzle thing that you do to like unlock the spell every time you learn a new spell. Like, it's good. It's and this is well fully done. fully open world or yeah. pseudo open world? It's pretty open. How, how does that mm. part of it feel? There's tons of side quests. I, I'm still in the... Beginning of the game, I still have to like kind of stick to a path yeah. right now, I think. Um, but I can see that there's like tons of collectibles. You can freely leave the castle and like wander around sort of the the, the grounds surrounding your, the castle. On your invisible horse? You're not, you don't ride the horse. Uh, they just pull the carriage. I see. That would be silly. Riding an invisible horse. Exactly. Who, who would, who would, who would think of that? such a ridiculous thing? I did get thing. a spell to make me invisible recently. Oh, okay. And I snuck into the restricted area of the library. Oh, the restricted area. This is dangerous. Reading these dirty books or what? Dark magic. Oh, dark magic. Dark. Okay. So dark. Yeah. Um, anyways, really, really good. Got gonna pic- keep going. Got pictures of Jack Black in a Bowser costume in those books. <laughs> Don't read those. Without the censorship. <laughs> yeah. No censoring. <laughs> Don't let the kids read those. So this sounds like your next big thing. I'm gonna play it. You are playing it. I'm so excited. It's so good, you guys. It's so good. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm happy for you. Um, after I finished uh, Like a Dragon, I wanted to check out Wolong. Yes. Which is uh, a new game. Uh, it's on. I played it on Xbox. I'm not sure if it's on other. If it's on Game Pass. Is, right. Is, so it's easy for you to check it, it out. Um, I saw this first when it was announced uh, in, I think, the Xbox E3-ish showcase. Yeah. And at the time, I thought it was just kind of a pretty straightforward action game set in the Dynasty Warriors time period. Mm -hmm. The Three Kingdoms. Yes. Which is like, I think they said it's like 
100 AD. So it's like, it's like your favorite time I period love, I love this time period. So this was like a major selling point for me. It was like a different kind of game um, set in this setting with all of these characters that I know. Um, and a lot of those characters are in there, but it, it, they're, they're done differently. Uh, so this game is actually more of a Souls type game. Yeah. Which I didn't realize until recently. Um, it's hard. It's very hard. Um, I've probably run my course with it. Is it Elden Ring? Okay, so it's harder than Elden Ring. Um, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I've finished, I've, I almost finished Elden Ring. So yeah. this, I, you just or kind of need, traditional you just kind of need to be more in the right mindset to mm -hmm. play this kind of game. Is it open world? No. So I th oh. it seems to be more just like levels. Like you finish ah. this level and then you move on. Um, the levels seem pretty big, um, but there's just a lot of like, like those games, there's a lot of kind of obscure mechanics that you need to wrap your mind around. This mm -hmm. one is all about these, like, the morale system, where oh. it's like you build your morale or the enemy can have high morale and that really impacts, like, how much damage you're doing and stuff. I'll be honest, I did not completely morale understand system. that. That's interesting. Um, there was a lot of stuff, a lot of, like, under-the-hood kind of mechanics that they were trying to explain that's like, I don't know if I completely grasp this. <laughs> okay. Um, but the action, it is more fast-paced action mm -hmm. um, than, uh, you know, I'd say a FromSoft game. Uh, it's by Koei Tecmo. I think Team Ninja. Okay. Uh, going out on them. I think they did, I think they developed this game. They did a lot of so obviously they, yeah. obviously they know yeah. a lot about fast-paced action. So that, that part of it is good. It, it feels very good. There's a lot of different weapons that you can get. Um, but it is the same sort of thing of like, well, if you die and you can, you know, any enemy can kill you, you kind of go back to where you were, you lose your experience, you try and get it back. There did oh. seem to be a good number of checkpoints along the way, though, which was good. Okay. Um, another thing that people have been talking about with this game is like the first, the first boss is a crazy difficulty spike oh. versus even from people who have played further, like the later bosses. I see. And is this they, like testing your metal? It must be just like, hey, let's see if you've learned enough. Mm. But that boss comes pretty early on. Like, Did you beat it? No. Oh. Uh, that was where I stopped. I played, like, it was like 30 minutes of playing and then you're at this boss. And uh, it's like, I'm still getting the hang of the basics oh, here. Oh, that's hard. So, so you're like, kind of like thrown into this really big battle it, it came, without knowing. I felt it came way too soon. Ah. And it was one of those things where it's like, I could get in maybe like a hit before I died. And so I was Oof. like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be that's doing this. That's frustrating. Yeah. So I, I you know, I, I, I didn't stop playing it because I didn't like it. I just didn't want to be playing that kind of game right now. Right. So. Yeah. It does take a lot of commitment and mental preparedness to play a game like yeah. that. Yeah. It did also have again, compared to Dynasty Warriors, like this kind of like supernatural, fantastical element to it, where it's oh. like some of the enemies would seem like they're possessed or you're fighting these like monster Did type. you have magic? Uh, yes, you can get magic. So okay. like, I could shoot like a lightning bolt okay. at somebody. Interesting. Um, which, I, again, I didn't know a ton about this game going into it. I kind of, I kind of wasn't expecting that aspect of it. Maybe, maybe I would have liked... <laughs> This is probably the first time this has ever been said. I would have liked the more grounded Dynasty Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Only for you. It's you, grounded. Like yeah. 1% of this. Right. <laughs> but it looked nice. Uh, it played well. So if that sounds like it's something you're looking for, like that's, I think it's worth checking out. Okay. Uh, and then finally, just thought we talk a little bit about the Minish Cap. Because we played that for, again, so we played the first uh, hour. We played past the first dungeon. Played past the first dungeon. Right. Um, went pretty well, I thought. No... 
no areas where we were like, oh my gosh, we're totally stuck and don't know what to do. Yeah. Although yeah. I did hear that later dungeons get pretty challenging in this game. Puzzle-wise, yes. Puzzle-wise, yes, yes, which is I know you're... It's my problem. You're a little stressed out by that. But yeah, um, yeah I was really surprised because I had no experience playing this game before. I had no, like, I just didn't even know anything really that much about right. this game. So, yeah, I was really surprised by it. Like, the whole you turning tiny and going into these little, like, like, I don't know, what are they? The Minish? Yeah. Peoples? Yeah. Elves? Uh-huh. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the Keebler Elves. The, the mini yes. Keebler Elves going into the their, like, gnomes. tree, whatever. Right. Like, so cute. Yeah, that, so seems, like, that seems like a cool mechanic. It just felt yeah. like, you know like this lost SNES Zelda game. Yeah. Which is a great thing to, to have. Uh, yeah, And just exactly. sort of uncover and find. So, yeah, I, I, you know, whether we're streaming it or, you know, whether we don't, I, I definitely want to keep going with it. Yeah, me too. Because it seemed great and it didn't seem terribly long either. People say it's like 20 hours or so. so yeah. Not yeah, too long. Yeah. yeah. It did make me think, though, um, so many people are, are, you know, going back to Game Boy Advance or they're playing it for the first time it did remind me of this weird quote from Sony, which I tweeted out over the weekend, mm -hmm. about when they were introducing the PSP yeah. and they were um, going up against Nintendo, obviously, and it was like the Game Boy Advance to DS transition they were mm -hmm. going through, too. Uh, Kaz Harai, who was the head of PlayStation at this time, had this really weird line. It was like, we're going to elevate people out of the handheld ghetto with oh. the PSP. Yeah. And I tweeted that line out, and I don't think people understood that that was a direct quote from Sony. It's not really something I would say yeah. <laughs> ordinarily. And I, I like I shared the link with some people, and like, oh my god, yeah, wow. yeah. Like mid mid two thousand, Sony would say some, some wild stuff. stuff. I mean, they're still saying wild stuff nowadays. Um, so maybe it's just there. But there was kind of that mindset of like, oh, we're finally getting away from these kitty games, or we're going to have proper yeah. like it's, with good graphics. I'm telling you, it's like the. Edgy era. Everyone more mature, edgy. more mature storylines. Sure. And it's like, obviously there ended up being room for both and it was silly to dismiss these games and now they're being celebrated. But that was just a weird point in history for yeah. th that I was reminded of mm -hmm. as I was re remembering the Game Boy Advance and, and DS generations. Yeah. Like, oh, of course Nintendo like leaned into that. That was strange. That's sort of the other side of it, which is being more kitty and... Yeah, the DS was like WarioWare and like whatever. Like those yeah. were the launch titles for that yeah. Mario Kart, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, mm -hmm. um, but since all of these handheld systems have been on people's mind, we did a poll with our Patreon subscribers and asked them, uh, when you consider everything that they had to offer, which is hardware and games and everything else, which Nintendo handheld system is your favorite? So the options were Game Boy and Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, Nintendo DS, or Nintendo 3DS. Uh, Nintendo 3DS won. It's actually, the vote grew with every single entry. So Nintendo 3DS won with 44%. Nintendo DS came in second with 27. Game Boy Advance third with 20. And Game Boy last with 9%. Did this surprise you? I was kind of surprised that Game Boy Advance and DS were so far below 3DS. Yeah. I was going to think, I would think that DS would be a little higher. Because it's like the first entry into this new you know, this, this this new era of Nintendo handheld systems or whatever. 
Um, yeah. So there's a bit more importance I, in my brain about that. But. I would put DS and 3DS as my top two, and it would probably be quite close. Yeah. I remember when those generations ended, I was like, yeah, that was that was really, really good. Yeah. Both of yeah. those. Um, I felt like the, the transition from DS to 3DS was very seamless because no one cared about the 3D part of the 3DS. So it was just like you had a more powerful handheld. Right. So I, I, it almost bleeds together for me into one yeah. long era. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, it, it is kind of interesting that DS didn't score higher. Um, Game Boy, I understand why that came in last. Some yeah. people were, were pointing out, like, maybe there's a generational thing here. Where I think it's like so. you kind of get attached to whichever system you played first. Oh, totally. Although I played the Game Boy and I was like, uh, this is quite, it's a little dicey. quite limited, yeah. technically. Right. Um, Chris said, having lived through each of these generations, I think the GBA is the standout to me. The GBA generation finally introduced built-in lighting and rechargeable batteries, which were game changers. The game, the game library also felt like it was a bit of an SNES 2D revival in an age where everything was about polygon counts. The GBA library had the right mix of quality NES, SNES ports, and unique new games, and when combined with the full Game Boy, Game Boy Color, backwards compatibility could not be beat. The backwards compa compatibility came up a few times of like, yeah. it, this actually combined generations, which was, right. a, I think that's a good point. Silfco said, it's so close to me between the DS and the 3DS. Yeah. Both have fantastic game libraries, but DS has its GBA compatibility, so it wins in my eyes. Maybe I'll get even more nostalgic for the 3DS library over time, though. Mm. The nostalgia factor. It makes a big difference. Although it didn't seem to matter in this boat. And then finally, Mad Dog 5981 says, unlike Nintendo's home consoles, each new handheld truly built and improved on all of the previous systems. By the 3DS, gamers had access to innovative, modern, portable 3D gameplay, built-in DS game support, and a robust virtual console of Game Boy games, not to mention a thriving indie eShop scene. The 3DS felt like a culmination of almost three decades of portable Nintendo gaming. That's what I think, too. Which is a good point, I too. think that's a good point, and I, I agree with that. It's like, it definitely felt like one long generation. Almost. And that, that same point, with that, like, that's what Nintendo was saying when the Switch was introduced. It's mm -hmm. like, look at all of the little bits and pieces we have taken that you loved from our previous generations and put it yeah, into this thing. Yeah, let's hope that the next system, yeah. next Switch. We're bringing be... back the gamepad. Oh boy, <laughs> uh-oh. Okay, let's strap your finger into a vitality Nintendo sensor. Nintendo TV is back because you demanded it. Put it in your finger <laughs> in the vitality I don't want, sensor. I don't want it. Put it in. I don't want it. Um, oh boy. So that was very interesting to look back and it's fun yeah. to see this uh, revival of all it's these true. Nintendo handhelds. It's true, and it's handhelds. just nice to have. Whether it's for good reasons, of these games coming to NSO or bad reasons because they're pulling the plug on these shops. <laughs> it's over, guys. It's all coming to an end. That is. <laughs> uh, before we go any further, this episode is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Oh, Thank yes. You. Thank you, ExpressVPN. Uh, take it from us, people who do uh, videos and uh, video game awards about butts of the year. Sometimes You're going to want to get a good VPN. You got to search for some stuff. Right. Jack um, Black's One-Up Mushroom is not going to be even safe for you to search for. Incognito mode does not hide your activity from everything. Uh, it doesn't matter how many times you are clearing your browser. Uh, certain people can still see this stuff, but that's, that's where right. ExpressVPN comes in to save the day. Exactly. And it reroutes your internet connection through their secure server so that your ISP cannot be seen 
um, but the sites that you visit. Right. It's very nice. And it's very seamless to use. A lot of times you don't even know that it's running in the background, so it's a great tool for you mm -hmm. to have as you do your stuff uh, on yes. the internet. And it's available on all your devices, including uh, phones, even your smart TV. Wow. Amazing. So, protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by Business Insider. Visit our exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash kitandkrista, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash kitandkrista, expressvpn.com slash kitandkrista to learn more. We will put the link right here and also in the description below. You can't spell Bodhi without VPN. <laughs> I was like, you can't spell Express without huh? Bodhi. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> um, all right, let's get into the news. Oh, yes. So, this is an interesting story. Yeah, we wanted to start with Final Fantasy 16 because there was a lot that came out about this game last week. Uh, they did, they were on a big press tour for this game, so there were new previews that came out. Um, not a lot of new videos, though. It's like, this is a very old school press tour that I know. you guys did. Just like developer interviews. They had interviews. They had like you know, text only text previews. Only. They may yeah. have like a new screenshot or two. I thought so the one video they did, I, I saw was the developers were actually like, we are on a press tour. We hope to share the experience of our game with the media. It's like, like the early, like, this oh is like, boy. we're going to 2012 or what? They were like standing in front of some castle or something. I was like, what? I don't think this was necessary, but oh. it seems like you guys are having a good time. All right. We're um, on a press Tour, the game, the game itself. Was there anything you saw in these previews that stood out to you, surprised you? Not really. Oh. Oh, why doesn't it surprise you? Well, I was thinking this is very like typical of what I was thinking this game would be. I had been wondering because all the trailers made it look really action oriented versus mm. the turn based stuff, and I was like, oh, I wonder how this will actually play. And a lot of the previews were saying like there is zilch as far as turn-based stuff mm. and this basically plays like a god of war or devil may cry were the two series that were referenced multiple times right right it's more like so it's just like a straight action, action game, game yeah. with some rpg stuff um into it which frankly like so many games have now so there's mm -hmm. a sprinkling of, of rpg stuff yeah so that is that's a new direction um you know they've always kind of dabbled with different ways of doing final combat fantasy, in combat. final fantasy yeah. mm -hmm. um this is something that's completely new. We'll see how it goes. They obviously right. they obviously want to reach a new audience with this and make it accessible. I think so. And I think that their choice of taking as much of the RPG stuff out is is ref reflected yeah. in what they were saying on this it, tour. It feels like it's made for more of a Western audience than other Final Fantasies with it going back to that like medieval yeah. setting. Mm -hmm. Um, it seems to be pulling a little bit from like Game of Game of Thrones here and there in terms yeah. of being like a dark fantasy. That's what story. That's what I had already expected, though, and that's what kind of was confirmed by these previews right. as well. Um, I have to imagine again. This is a very expensive game to make. Mm. Square Enix is also the king of at an earnings call announcing oh how their high-profile game underperformed as far as making money. Pressure. So I have to imagine that was like. Uh, we can't, you know, we can't torpedo ourselves with this game. We need to make sure this game Pressure hits. Pressure is on, yeah. Um, so there was all the conversation about the game itself, but then there was this other quote from um, the developer around kind of how they see themselves and whether they do or do not see themselves as a JRPG. So I'll just I'll just read the quote because it's interesting. Um, 
and Yoshida is the, the developer here. One thing Yoshida wants to get across is that when we create games, we don't go into them thinking we are creating JRPGs. We are just creating RPGs. The term JRPG is used by Western media rather than users and media in Japan. So that's the first part. And it continues. This is going to depend on who you ask, but there was a time when this term first appeared 15 years ago, and for us as developers was the first time we heard it. It was like a discriminatory term, as though we were being made fun of for creating these games, and so for some developers the term JRPG can sometimes can be something that will trigger maybe trigger bad feelings because of what it was in the past. And it goes on and on and on, but basically they, they don't like that term and they do not mm -hmm. want people to view themselves, to view these games As through that lens. Yeah, it's interesting that they considered the term JRPG as discriminatory or negative because I don't think... It's funny because, yes, there have been times where that has been used in like... A mean way mm -hmm. but also there are a lot of people who if you ask what they're is your seeking, favorite genre they're seeking out a specific genre. i want a J i love jrpgs yeah i think that that you know jrpgs certainly have a, a certain identity yeah for better or worse but there are there's a huge audience of people searching out and seeking out those types of games but i think back to your earlier point about them really want to make them really wanting to make this game more mainstream and more accessible, I think the term JRPG to them might feel like a turnoff for a lot of people. Exactly. And I think that is why they're they're being very um, strong about right. saying that this is not what this is yeah. because they don't want this mass audience to be like, JRPG, oh, that sounds long and hard yeah. or, or whatever you, things you associate with a JRPG, whether you like it or not, um, and have that be a turnoff. Yeah, somebody who buys God of War might not think they are JRPG material. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So exactly. Exactly. Again, exactly. if you if, if that is your target audience of like the mass player who mm -hmm. plays God of War, then yeah, I can understand why you would say that. I do wonder, like, in this recent era where a lot of these games have sort of popped out of their, you know, niche audiences, like an Elden Ring is a good example of this. You know, that, that game is, is for a very specific audience. It's not a JRPG, obviously, but it's, you know, the Souls audience um, is a specific type of player. And I wonder if these other developers are seeing sort of these games have these, like, breakout titles and wondering if they can achieve the same thing, you know? Yeah, and in this case, like, I mean, Final Fantasy has been a big seller for a long time. So yeah. it's not like it's been this struggling franchise. No. Um, but again... But I do think Final Fantasy is for a specific player, kind of player, though. Well, not according to him. It's for Well, now, for now, now yeah. he's making a real point of this, though. Right. But previously, I think, you know, Final. if you think about Final Fantasy, you kind of have a specific player in mind that's like a Final Fantasy fan. And I think they want to break out of that, is, is the point. Right, right. Um, yeah, you know, he he's making this point about how... You know, we don't want to be seen as JRPGs. Like, we don't like that term. It's like he mm -hmm. is kind of furthering that kind of mindset through, true. through this comment. That's true. And I think there probably are developers that are like, yeah, WTF. This, is, this, is, this is what we make. <laughs> and I, I, the origins of the term are interesting. I, I, I don't know exactly when it started to come in. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder if Final Fantasy is one of the games that sort of... Sure. Started the origin sure. of the phrase JRPG. It's I mean, ironically that 
these genres are really hard to label onto anything these days because it's like a so many games are just a mashup these, right. of everything. Right. Like that was one of the like Cliffy B, the Gears of War guy. Like that was one of the like very forward-looking things he said. It was like yeah. in, in the future, be like every game is going to be an RPG, and he's kind of right. He's kind of right. It's like how do you define an RPG? It's a like, role-playing game. It's like, I don't know. It's it's like you're playing the, this role uh, as the, a. The number goes up. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's an RPG. I mean, uh, for, Fortnite could be RPG. You're playing a role of a guy shooting, you know, yeah. doing this thing. So, so. I, I don't really care to debate like what the term means because it probably means different things to different people. Yeah. Um, but we do have this like unbelievable need as humans to categorize yeah. and compartmentalize. So, so there, I understand why those, those so it still exist. it exists for that reason. And I think he's like staunchly trying to fight against it. Like right. he says, like, I don't want to be put in this JRPG box. I don't want this game to be put in this box. You know, I, I, people should kind of take it for what, like play it and, and see it for what it is and not like, Give a label to it. The other thing I'll say... Don't to, label my relationship. The other, thing, the other thing I'll say to that is, um, this is Final Fantasy 16. Yeah. So it's like, oh, the other 15, those weren't for you. This one, though, we on the 16th try, we got it. Yeah. It's like maybe, I don't know, did you did you consider like changing the name or just like Final Fantasy colon... Oh, not, here we go. Not a Roman numeral? The, the Final Fantasy subtitles are I don't, always I don't the know. worst. Yeah. Chronicles of the Crystal King, Tears yeah, I mean, of the Blah. I mean, that's too coherent, probably for for them. But yeah, no kidding. Um, you know, I did I did go back through. Was there, there were some things that came up specifically of like, yeah, this is maybe what he was talking about. Mm. Um, I had an interesting experience with one in 2012 at GDC. You remember um, that was the year we had. Mr. Hayashida over to talk about Super Mario 3D Land. He's oh, the, yes. He's the director of that game yeah, and a, really and a wonderful person. And Captain Toad. That was the GDC where Phil Fish, who is the indie developer of Fez, he oh, kind of yes. went a little Off the wacky. Rails. And yeah. he, so apparently he got asked a question in a panel by um, a Japanese person of what he thought of modern Japanese video games. And his response was, Your games just suck. <gasps> And then he just oh, went, it, it's like, you know, your heart just stops, like, imagining yeah. this scenario. Yeah. And he went on and on, and he's kind of disappeared from gaming since, so this was kind of like the end of him. Swan song? Um, <laughs> but I remember talking with Mr. Hayashida and the other people in the, we had a pretty small group, it was like yeah. four or five of us, and we were talking about it, and I think the people from NOA were more upset about it than he was. Yeah. I yeah. think he was, like, kind of curious about it, of, like... Well, why would why, he say why would that? He think that? Yeah, or what exactly. might be motivating him to say that? He he definitely was not upset. Like offended or anything. He was more like yeah. analytical about it. Yeah. But we were both like, that guy, we're gonna stuff what his a head in the I'm gonna stick his head in the toilet. And, you know, <laughs> like that kind don't, of stuff. Don't find me in a dark alley. <laughs> right, right. So that's a cringy and terrible example. Um, and obviously a ridiculous label to put on all of Japan and Japanese games and, right, right, and games. Um, so yeah, I, I, this 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 phrasing and this wording really clearly stuck a phrase with this developer, um, but also very clearly they have reasons to want to distance themselves sure. from this yeah, label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, this game's coming soon. This I'm game's coming out in game. July, three, right? Three months, four months. Is it July? Yeah. It, it's in that huge glut around June, June, July. June, July. June July. So yeah. yeah. Doesn't seem like it's getting delayed either. So this is no. If they're going on my, this big press tour, the this game this one is probably locked. The game must be pretty close it's to probably done. Probably done. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, next, March 9th. That's today, depending on when you're listening it. Yeah. Metroid Fusion is out. Oh my gosh. On Nintendo Switch Online. That was a surprise. I was like, I'm here for all of the Samus That's stuff. a quick turnaround for new games. It's been, has it even been a month since they put this out? No, not not at all. It's only like two weeks. I guess they, they, they aspire to do once a month some sort of update. They don't always do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the GBA offerings are a little bit thin, so that's a great addition. Have you played this game? I have not. Oh, I have. I think you'll like it. I think so, too. Yeah. And I want to play it because it's in the in the storyline of Dread. Yes. Or it's in the storyline of, yeah, those those... Those recent 2D Metroid games. Yeah, yeah. This is a, a really great game. Um, again, I wonder how many people got to experience because it mm -hmm. was on the Game Boy Advance and yeah, people might have exactly. thought, like, oh, well, this is a smaller game or not worthy of Metroid. It's like, no, it's a, it's a proper full-on 2D Metroid. Yeah. Um, with a, with some interesting stuff that you that they don't do in other games in the series. So, so now you can um, play them all in sequential order. So this is my point. Very slowly, every Metroid game is becoming available on the Switch. What does it mean? Well, that means the, the trilogy, the Prime Trilogy, will also be there. But That's beyond what that, what does it mean? Is, oh, my, prediction, is my prediction coming true Metro of Metroid, of Metro Metroid Prime 4, 4 on, coming out this Switch. year? It's looking likely. So what are the, what are the big games we're still missing? Uh, zero Mission... On game, that's another game. That's one that I, that I haven't played that I really want to. That's I a, bet they're going to bring that, that though. They, they absolutely They are. have to. That's a remake of the first Metroid game. That's right. Zero Mission. And yes. The I've not played this one either. The first Metroid game on NES is a tough play these days. Oh, so yeah. I want that. The other two. Prime. Prime. Yes. Games. Two and three. Yeah. Uh, what else? Is that maybe it? Other M, obviously, that's not considered a proper... <laughs> Don't even say it. <laughs> Pull the plug. Uh, the baby. We're not manifesting that. The baby. The baby. The We're baby. not manifesting the baby. Um, yeah, like they're close yeah, to having close the to whole the, library. the whole darn thing there. So just imagine if they could get a couple more of these games out before E three time for the big reveal of Metroid Prime Four. The warm up marketing is working. We're warm. We're so warm. We're, we're, People are getting. We're going from warm to hot. We're getting hot. Okay. Yeah. Getting toasty here. Getting real toasty. <laughs> I need to get into a new suit. It's getting so hot. This is not the I'm taking end damage. of Metroid. No. Um, uh, are, do you want to amend your prediction about Metroid Prime 4 based on this? No. No. What was your prediction, actually? I don't remember. Mine is uh, they're going to hold it. Next system. Next system next year. <sighs> it's going to be, a, I feel like they're warming us up for a long, the long haul. All right. Because I think that they might announce the next, the next two Prime games coming out this holiday. Uh, okay, okay, interesting. Uh, it does seem to be a lot of heat just around Metroid right now. Like yes. I've heard some kind of anecdotal sales numbers around the Prime uh, remaster, which are really, really, really good. Really high. Yep. Um, so there, this is this is going in the right direction. Yes. 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 Uh, final news story. There was very casually, very Casual low tweet. key announced uh, <laughs> Elden Ring expansion. Yes. Shadow of the Erd Tree. Mm. Uh, I missed this that morning for a couple hours. And then I just, I was like, huh? What? what? Yeah. I saw, I did see it in the morning, but I was like, wait, is there more to this? And just yeah, like, it's like one you almost thing? couldn't believe it. Like that was just how was like, they That's it? announced it. It was just so, it was so like, it was so, it was just like another day. It was a tweet. that so had another, day, it, another tweet. It had some artwork or a screenshot or it something. It was one screenshot. And, and it was like, just like, yeah, this, this is, is coming. This is in development. Okay. Great. Uh, Sony did just have a state of play you the week like, before. This, the this could have been the massive closing news. Could it? Could it just stuck it in there? Literally the same thing. Have somebody read that. Read the tweet. 
<laughs> I mean, that would that would have been way more impactful. It is I. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they want to keep it low key. Why? I don't know. Game of the year. Come on, you don't need to keep. It I low think key. they're just in the zone now. They're like, we, yeah, we'll do what we want. We don't need. We don't need any we're hot shots. We're, we're good. Yeah. Big shots. <laughs> we're hot stuff. Now. We're hot stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, are you excited I don't care. for this? I mean, they can announce it which, any which way they want, but I'm very excited for this. I, yeah, I've been, you know, obviously there's still more of the um, Elden Ring world for me to explore, even though I've beat the game, but I've been waiting for some sort of expansion to bring me back to that, yeah. and I'm here. I'm ready. Uh, I'm excited too, although I will admit there are parts of the main map that I did not fully explore. Yeah. So... Maybe it's hypocritical to be like, I need this DLC. Right, it's right. Like, there's right. so much more game there of the yeah, base game. You had, you had put it down because you wanted to explore more and level up more and then try to finish the game eventually. But I this was, is like I, a reason to I do that. I was vastly underleveled for the final boss. I learned the hard way. Um, so that's yeah, why I put many, it down. Like yeah. a week of struggling. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have seen some, like, the people who do... Elden Ring lore stuff yeah. are all over this already. Again, I'm I'm very confused by the lore to a degree stuff. that I was pretty amazed by. Yeah. Um, I just by the one screenshot yeah. in the name of the expansion. Yeah, like, they're like, oh, you know here's my stuff? here's my 80 minute think piece on this. Like, whoa! <laughs> but good for them. Uh, yeah. That's not really how I want to focus on this game, but. I've tried really Glad hard. Glad it's there for somebody. I'm a story girl, and I've tried so hard to like understand. I watched so many videos when I was playing Elden Ring, but I still don't get it. Yeah. Still, it still went over my head. I'm like, yeah. who the heck is Melania, and who's that guy? Who's that? Who's he's a lion, but yeah. also some sort of like weird. Oh yeah, the children Rad, and then the Rad Radigan Radigan and or Radon and I don't know. Okay, sure. I don't know. Sure. Uh, let's get into our questions. Okay. Every question we get is from our Patreon subscribers. Thank you to everybody for submitting these. Uh, our first question is from Video Game Stupid. Very timely to the discussion. This was actually submitted before the Final Fantasy debate. <gasps> Hi, Kit and Krista. My question is kind of a follow-up to a question from a bonus Q&A session from ages past. Someone had asked what your favorite waifus and husbandos outside of JRPGs are, and you both mentioned Legend of Zelda characters. I will ask the age-old question, is Zelda a JRPG? Slash RPG. Slash RPG. It's actually had nothing to do with waifus and husbandos. Yeah. You thought yeah, it did, thought but it didn't. You red herring. I was ready. Uh, we red no. herring, you guys. Exa well, here we go. That's now, now, now you're afraid to say it is. Well, I, I think it is. You think it's a JRPG? I know. I think it's an RPG. You do? Don't you think it's not? Uh, uh, every, uh, all of Zelda or just certain games? Breath of the Wild, I think, definitely is an RPG, no? Really? Te um, Tears of the Kingdom. I... Twilight Princess would be an RPG. Queen of Time could be an RPG. I feel differently, but but what do you think? What do you think? How I think do you, it's how an would, action adventure game. You think it's an action adventure? <sighs> the number game. doesn't go up. But you're That's role why. playing as Link. <laughs> okay, but I mean you could say that about any game. Like I'm role playing as Mario. That's what I'm saying. That's why these these are all. I'm Chris. I'm Chris Pratt role playing as Mario, stomping, stomping turtles. These turtles <laughs> every day. In 1975. Since I was a five year old, yeah. I've been stomping these turtles. As, I've been role, role playing, playing role Mario, playing. right? It's the, I mean that's that's my point though. Okay. Where do you draw the line? Where are you? Where is your guardrail on what role you're playing and whether or not that role is significant enough for you to, See, to categorize again, it as an like RPG? Everybody has a different definition of it, but I think there's still kind of a, a depth. And again, it, like to me, a lot of it does come down to numbers, which is ridiculous. You want levels? 
No, but it's like, <clears throat> oh, you know, yeah, there's levels or, or other or things what? or just other stats that are involved or like customization, more customization. Of like Link it. has a million outfits plus a Switch <clears throat> t-shirt. it's like, oh, this Link, like I made this Link to have more, have more strength or more just dexterity or more whatever. Like you can, all the weapons you it's can like get. like you can get more stamina, you can get, yeah. you can get more hearts. Yeah. I don't know. Did I think it's yourself? it's just more action adventure to me. No, right. it's not. Okay, so you don't think it is. I think it is. No, it's fine. Great. Yeah, there's there's no one definition. It's a made up term apparently. It is. Cerulean Dragon asks. This is also perhaps related to Final Fantasy. Briefly mentioned this in the general chat today, but my hot take on the evening is doing away with press demos and making these demos accessible to more people. As a gamer, I'd rather play something myself than read about someone else's experience. No two people will view a game the same way. With cloud streaming technology available, <clears throat> there are ways to make these demos unable to be data mined since there's almost nothing downloaded to your console. If kept small enough or some sort of timer was imposed, I think the excitement of playing something early would be a huge marketing boon. I know there would be less control, but I feel the excitement and hype of such a limited time thing may help mask the negative press that an editorial lens would gloss over anyway. We've even seen some publishers like Square Enix release demos months or even a year out from a launch as a way to get feedback from the player and make improvements, something they did with Triangle Strategy and Final Fantasy XV. This is something you'd likely not get from a press tour. What are your thoughts on this? Now that you don't have easy access to internal or press demos, do you feel like you're missing it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is the, is the press demo, should this be a thing of the past? <clears throat> press only. Well, I think there's 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 two different things you're getting out of a free demo to everybody and a press tour. I think you are achieving different results. You know, obviously to Cerulean Dragon's point, you would be able to get the, the game out to more people. If you're just doing like a demo that's open to everybody, you can, yeah, if you wanted to play test something, you could do that. Um, Nintendo does do um, a lot of demos these days as well. Like, you know, they, they have demos for most of their games. Um, well, I guess not most, some of their games. Uh, we saw like many after the Nintendo Direct. But I think it's less about like, like getting um, like news coverage and more just like engaging with your player base. I do think there is like a, um, like a specific thing that you're getting out of a press demo because you are like potentially reaching new audiences of people that are not currently playing any of your games or know about video games through press demos. Um, you're, you're sort of like controlling the type of messaging that's getting out about your games, the, you know, you're controlling the sort of the visuals that are getting out of your games. But I do think it's kind of doing two different things. Yeah. So Cerulean Dragon mentions this point of control, which is, I think, the linchpin of this whole thing. Unfortunately, the general public cannot be trusted with a game that is not finished. <clears throat> um, and that's why like E3 demos or a demo you see at PAX is basically to, to the quality yeah. of the finished game. Yes. Where a lot of times when we'd show something to press, it was like, you'd spend some time explaining like, hey, you know, we still have, you know, a year of development and yeah, this mm -hmm. thing, we're gonna work on that, don't worry. Yeah, there's a dev menu yeah, over like, here, just, ignore and, that. And it's like, yeah, for, for all the downsides of, of the press that you might, have in your mind like that they are equipped to understand that and kind of make sense right. of what it all means whereas 
I don't trust the public to do that. And I don't, there's a reason this doesn't happen is that that trust is not there. And, and you know, they mention streaming technology. It's like, well, is somebody really equipped to differentiate a bad internet connection with the game being bad? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't risk that. Yeah. Um, so again, I think there's reasons why these things continue to happen. I think there's more place for more um, finished consumer demos. interactions yeah. and more finished demos. I would love to see that. Um, I think we, I think, I think people might, I think we might see more ways to do this in the future, but right, right. now I'm not sure there's a super great way to do it. Right. Right. So. Daniel Cold is next. What was the internal reaction to ARMS when it came out? Mm-hmm. Not just the gameplay, but also the art style. I stopped playing it early since Splatoon 2 came out and it took up all my time, but to me this showed some much needed creativity when it comes to creating new and exciting Nintendo characters. I feel bad that the game got overlooked like this. Me too, for oh. ARMS. Um, the funniest thing for uh, ARMS when this game came out is we were all like, Wait, that's the real name for the game? Like, it's just called ARMS? Yeah. <laughs> that's silly. We were really, like, surprised by that, because usually Nintendo game, you know, they, they, they put a little more thought into that title. Yeah. Um, but it's very descriptive of, of what the game is, I guess. Um, I think we all were in that time period where, like, we were fresh off the newness of younger Splatoon devs. So we were like, oh, cool. This is, like, another one of those, like, new IP new generation of Nintendo development doing something fun and different and not just like, you know, making another Mario or Zelda game. So we were all excited about that. Um, But the part that really sort of made us a little bit disappointed um, is that they created this world with all of these different characters that were all so like unique and zany and like cool, but we knew nothing about them. Yeah. There was no, like, there was no backstory about what, why did they have the springy arms and who were they? So it was really hard for us to like connect to the game on a deeper level. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of people fell off too. This, this was a major missed opportunity because there was a lot of interest in these characters and people yeah. wanted to learn more and we would go to the dev team and say like, well, what other materials or information can we share? And they're like, there's nothing. Right. We have literally nothing. I'm like, oh. But, but why though? And this was also <laughs> at the same time, I remember uh, Overwatch was coming out right. and the complete opposite was happening where people were getting so deep into these characters and creating these affinities with these yeah. characters and just, you know, engr- engrossing themselves in so much information. It was yeah. like, oh, I got nothing. So yeah. I think that kind of hurt the longevity of this game a little right. bit where it's like, well, you can play it and either you like it or you don't, but then Because they invested ends. that kind of character de- development and world building into Splatoon. Yeah. But yeah. it just was not a part of the plan for ARMS, which was really interesting. Yeah. Because so. it was such a rich, you know, they started out with such a rich, like, cast. Right. That we just never saw. I mean, we had, like, Amiibo for them and, like, all this stuff. Like, but it just sort of, like, fell off a cliff. Yeah. This is one of those games where I'm really, really curious if it ever gets a sequel or not. I oh, think, God. I think it sold fine. Like, it wasn't gangbusters, but it wasn't a dud. Yeah. Um, Mr. Yabuki needs to come back and he's, do some, well, like, he's, he's kung got, fu master. He's got to work on a game that's going to sell five bajillion copies. Mario Kart. Mario Kart 9. Nine. nine. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. Priorities. Right. Uh, Paul Gale's next. Hey, Kit and Krista, if Metroid Prime Remastered ends up being one of your favorite games of the year, is it validated in your opinion to be up for a Game of the Year nomination? Oh. 
It's not a straight port like having The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time on NSO, but it's also not entirely a fully remade remake like Resident Evil 4. If it does have enough new, though, that it looks and plays like a modern game, there definitely was solid effort put in. What do you think? Thanks. We talked yeah. about this a while back. Yeah, it does remastered or HD remasters or, um, you know, any game like that yeah. deserve to be on a Game of the Year nomination list. What do you think? Um, I think it can. I don't know if this is the one to do it. Right. I think it but... needs to have more than just a graphical upgrade, though. See, again, this is this is where I'm glad that we're not media, because we don't need to have, like... A deep discussion like a, a, about a, this? Like, a dedicated webpage of, like, here's our policy on blah, blah, blahs in the game of the year. It's like, yeah, we can just decide how we yeah, feel about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, yeah, I, I do think there would need to be some next, next step yeah, or some, some building upon element, the original right. to do it. Like, what would be a good example of one that would meet the bar? Not Final well, I don't know. I mean, this seven. Resident Evil 4 game could... But okay. it's, but it's yeah. all, you know, as Paul says here, that's maybe going too far. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's still a remake. So. Right. You're still kind of basing it on the yeah, base game. Yeah. But I feel like Metroid is, is almost like a straight port just with upgraded graphics. And I don't think they're doing anything in terms of. I think of especially. I'm sorry, the, I cut you off. You really did. I don't think they're doing anything in terms of upgrading the game. <laughs> For once, I cut you off and I stopped and I apologized. One out of like yeah. 20 times today? Good. I'm glad you're self-aware finally. I don't know what I was saying anymore. Oh, no! Something about... Oh, yeah. Wendy Malay. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Wendy! Oh, no! My, my brain! Um, I'll say what I was going to say and then it'll come back to you. There is an aspect of we are re-delivering this game to a new generation. Okay. So it's like, it's basically a new game. It's like, it's not like we waited five years and we redid it. Like this has been 20 years. Like, oh, you mean like new to them? Yeah, it's like there are people who were not alive. But not new to and you. And would never, well, so? It can't be on your list. Uh, sure it could. It's not new but to like, you. But like, I think in the general consciousness, mm -hmm. like, <clears throat> like if you took a, an all-time classic and you made it relevant and okay. to the standards of today. Sure. That's, that's uh, and point, otherwise, actually. these people would know, like, like I've heard of Never this. Never played I don't, I don't this. Know. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. I, mean, I, 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 I can get behind that. Yeah. I feel like this is something where, like, movies are maybe more open to this kind of thing because... Well, they, they just reboot it. That's different, You can't, though. like, I guess you're always bringing in, like, new actors so it feels right. different. That's, you're, you have to do so much more work. Right. Or I there guess. was, like, The Departed was based on a Hong Kong movie, which I don't think many people know. Yeah, but that's a straight, which is, that's it's like a straight up a new movie. That's basically a totally different movie. Yeah, so you're just, yeah. yeah. No, you're just, but I'm, I'm open to this. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, Nathan asks, what is the relationship between NOA and Nintendo of Japan in terms of releasing games? I used to assume NOA just took whatever Japan gave them and tried to make it work the best they can. But I wonder how much influence NOA has on games developed or release timing. For example, let's say Kirby <clears throat> works really well in Japan, releasing in February, but NOA thinks Kirby does better in the summer for the United States. Would NOA push back at all? Provide data? Or does NOA just conform to the Japan schedule? Similarly, I've read that Nintendo finds Metroid doesn't do well in Japan, but America loves it, so Nintendo continues to try developing new games. Is that something NOA brings up to prompt Metroid development? Or is Japan making its own decisions using just spreadsheets or whatever? <laughs> not just <laughs> Always not using NOA staff to make that decision. Interesting question here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like in the last 
as we got closer to, you know, when we um, stopped working at Nintendo, it was really on this like pretty strict global schedule. There was time, there, there were times um, early in my career at Nintendo when there were some differentiating, you know, time frames or, or dates for launch or even dates for announcements when we weren't as globally coordinated. But now it's so hard because like everyone, no matter which region you announce something in, can see the information. No matter which game or which region the game launches and you could port that version. Um, so it doesn't seem to make that much sense to have a not globally coordinated launch these days. Yeah, it's. I think it's very clearly for the best that every game just comes out on the same day. Right. <clears throat> because people who want that game, they're going to find some other way to get it. To get it. Yeah. Um, but in terms of this kind of behind the scenes jockeying and stuff, like that absolutely happens. Oh, like yeah. that's one of the jobs of the treehouse is to you know give feedback reflecting our market to the developers mm -hmm. and they listen to that and. Yeah, I do think like there are games where there are certain lead markets in mind yes. and they have more of a say about mm -hmm. you know when it might come out or yeah. other really important decisions. Yeah. And I think that extends to all sorts of things. So for example, uh, the last Nintendo Direct was at 2 p.m. and not 6 in the morning. The main game in there was Metroid, which, which is, is for mostly US the U.S. and not Japan. So I think if, if the lead game had been something very Japan-oriented... It might have been at 6 a.m., which is a more favorable time for Japan. Yeah. yeah so, exactly. yes, that sort of... Also spreadsheets, though. Spreadsheets and spreadsheets. And spreadsheets. A lot of spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the roadmaps are on spreadsheets, yeah. Seafoam Gaming has the next question. Hey, Kit and Krista, as a freelance game reviewer for nine years now, I remember in my earlier days when I was foolishly desperate to review Nintendo games and get on that ambassador program. During that endeavor, I was at least able to get the gist of which games were sent out to my peers in writing more often than not. On a possibly Pokemon Day related topic, one aspect I did catch on was how during holiday 2015, some games like Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon were hardly if ever sent to the press at all, unless it was post-launch. Seems the focus that fall was all on Amiibo Festival and Ultra Smash, even though my opinion uh, Mystery Dungeon was the best game of that fall. Any insight into what determines which games Nintendo pushes to outlets for review? Even sites like IGN didn't get a copy of uh, Mystery Dungeon. There are games where there are worries yes. about how a game will review. Right. So you think exactly. about what are your options? And sometimes the option is... Do not do a review. We will not get it. <laughs> yeah. Do not do a review. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, that was the, the situation with this particular game. Also, Mystery Dungeon was uh, a game that we would have worked on with the Pokemon company. And they may have also had very interesting rules yeah. at the time, especially back in, in that, that year, um, where they were much more controlling and strict about how to manage a review cycle for yeah. one of their games. Um, where they, they very... I don't remember if this is true or not, but they I think... You know, they very well could have told us, like, do not send this game out. You, everybody will be getting this game at launch. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're basically trying to avoid a review being posted for as long as possible. Right. And, like, basically, like, there might be some people who are interested in the game. Like, oh, let's go to Metacritic. Oh, there's nothing. Oh, well, how bad could it be? I'll buy it. Exactly. <laughs> Versus going yeah. to Metacritic and seeing, like, four out of four ten. Four out of ten. Well, yeah. not getting that. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. the, the exactly. thinking. Exactly. Fortunately, we didn't have to do a lot of that. We didn't. Yeah. Right. Those games are always so good. But at other so. companies, like, they do sometimes need to do weird 
jockeying for yeah. that sort of thing. And then, like, later on, it was the review bombing that we had to deal with, which is a little right. bit different. Right, but, right. yeah, that's also something to contend with when you send a game out for a review. Yeah. Torchics is next. Hi, Kit and Krista with the 3DS slash Wii U eShops closing out. Do you both feel you got all you wanted out of the systems? Utilize the unique features of each to their extent, had fulfilling gaming experiences with both, etc. Obviously, you can still play them when the shops close, but do you have any fears you might miss out on something and won't realize you'll want to get it or play it until it's too late? I definitely feel like I have. Yeah. I think I can say with some some great certainty that I have gotten everything that I wanted out of these two systems. Definitely 3DS too, because I played my 3DS for so long and for, I just had it for like ever. These systems were our lives. It was like my like, whole life. We yeah. got every first party game. Yes. Um, no questions asked. Yes. Uh, we knew about so many good third party games, heard from the grapevine about third party games. Like yeah. I, I also feel quite confident that any experience that we would enjoy, like we got to have. We got to have it. We were also like so integral in some of those like system level experiences too. Like we were there when we were moderating the like the Wara Plaza. Yeah. We were there when <laughs> Flipnote went flaming into the yeah. depths of hell. Yeah. I was one of the characters that drew in the Swamp Note. There was messages from me and Nikki oh, yeah. in the swamp. That's right. Like I was like part of that. I was getting whole... worried. Again, I was getting worried for a second there. What did you do? I didn't do anything. Uh. I was an innocent bystander yeah. when that went to the flaming hell. But like, yeah, we were like, we were there. We were there when the eShop launched. Yeah. We were there for all of it. Right. So I feel like, yeah. Yeah, got, probably more it. so than we ever will for another system. Like, we were so embedded in those. I know. Yeah, um, so true. But th yeah, I, I understand the anxiety that people have now. Of like, oh, it's my last chance to find, to end, find a hidden gem or get something I might want in the future. It, that sticks. coming to <clears throat> an end. Yes. Uh, Uncharted 95 is next. Hi, Kit and Krista. Is there a reason why Nintendo doesn't follow the same naming scheme with all of its consoles? The PlayStation hasn't changed its name with the exception of the number, and Microsoft still calls its consoles Xbox, but Nintendo has, hasn't has really kept the same name for its consoles with the exception of the NES slash SNES and Wii slash Wii U. Why is that? They like to be zany. <laughs> well, I do, I do think, um, beyond the fact that they like to be zany, they, they want the name, they're really like fixated on the name of the system really embodying what the system is. I think PlayStation and Xbox are a lot less concerned with that because their system upgrades are more so like, this is the same thing, but with right. a bit more power. Conceptually, like the PlayStation 1 and the PlayStation 5, it's like, yes, the technology is better. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of like, idea. you kind of know what you're getting. Even the controller is like shockingly... Similar from right. generation to and generation. And even Xbox, right? Yes, Xbox, both of Xbox them. 360, right. X, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like you, the concept of it is like, it just has a more powerful, yeah. you know, yeah. powerful guts. But right. the, the general, yeah, form factor concept. But Nintendo systems are not like that. You got like Wii U and then you went to Switch. So you need to have like some way to describe it to people. And sometimes they do a really bad job of naming it like the Wii U and everyone got, gets confused for, you know, three, four, five years. And then sometimes you hit it out of the park like Switch and everyone yeah. just gets it right away. <clears throat> yeah. So, Super Switch U DX. New. New, coming up yeah. 2024. <laughs> Our last question is from VGM Life and I'm really excited to answer this one because we can debunk <laughs> a common um, 
Fan uh, rumor? Myth? Or fan yeah. speculation? So here we go. Yeah. Hi, Kit and Krista. Do you have any idea what goes on at the Nintendo World Store when they close for private events? Have you ever been to a private event there? If you have no idea what's the least likely activity you can think of that they close the store for, thanks. And we have this image that was recently posted beginning 1 p.m. on March 1st. The second floor of Nintendo NYC will be closed to a private event. Well, they're showing the next switch to... Uh, all the uncles, nephews uh, of Nintendo employees. Exactly. Uh, these are nothing to get excited about. Yes. These are very standard by the numbers. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe <clears throat> media coming to see a game. Creators. Maybe creators. Maybe there's a celebrity in town who wanted to do some shopping. Right. Um, but they basically closed the second floor for some sort of marketing thing. <clears throat> right. They're not going to be releasing or showing or having any sort of like, you know, secret, unannounced thing. Right. At one of these events. It's going to yes. be something that's been announced. My prediction or my my thinking about this is that it, they're going to show Bayonetta, that new Bayonetta. I think this already got, I think this was like actually a Mario day. A Mario day. Oh, Mario day. Super okay. Super boring and lame. So, okay. I thought yes. it was going to be a Bayonetta. Could have been that too though. If, like preview event or something like yeah. that for creators. Yeah. That was yeah. something they always would like tell us. It was like, this store exists for marketing. Right. Not to actually sell, sell stuff. Yeah. So whenever we had something we needed to do. We had to do it there. It was like. Hey, we're doing it here. And they're like, okay, we'll close the store. Yeah. The other thing is, is like, we always wanted to do these fun events where we like rent a cool space that was like atmospherically aligned to the event. Like we're like, whoa, what yeah. if we did a Metro event in like a space shuttle? Yeah. But they were like, no, do it at the Nintendo World Store. We're like, and especially fine. once we closed the New York office, it was even more so it was like, hey store, we're coming back. Yeah. We were always in that basement. <laughs> that dingy I like the basement. store basement. Oh, I liked it. It was a little stuff. It was down fun. There. All right, fine. Okay. Uh, that That's it. is all the questions. Yes. Yeah. All right. Should Get we on. shout out our wonderful superstars? We have some new ones. Yes. To, this These are week. our Patreon superstars. There's a new one. Yeah. Let's yes. go. All right. Here we go. Aaron Hash. Ben Icorn. Maru Mayhem. Eigenverse. Kiss My Flapjack. Mike Chin. Mr. Rogers. Roy Eschke. Switching it up. Underscore. Safazon. The shark among men. VGM Life. Link, the hero of winds. Angela Bycroft. Inner Pig Molly. Turbocharge Nerd. Thomas O'Rourke. Simon Barrera. And our newest member, Kyle LaBeouf. Yes. Okay. One Up Club graduation ceremony. If people don't know, One Up Club is one of our Patreon tiers as well. Yes. You can be you can get called shouted out. You can as a one up club member or you a superstar. Can. You can. You can. It's possible. It could be you. Yes. You could be five sixty nine. Huh? It could be you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can give us any name and we'll say it. <laughs> uh, and point. it's and it's it's the first podcast of the month, which means there's some new members. So uh, oh, good, good luck to get, you. Get ready with, with some of these names. Let me yes. concentrate. Okay, here we go. A. Ron Burgundy. Adam and Ansley. Ajahn Malari. Ale Alejandro. Alexandra Pratt. Astro Death. Blazed and Enthused. Bookum Dano. Brad SF56. Brookie Kazooie. Bruce Dash. Chancellor Fairley. Chelly Squirrel. Christopher Lay. Cozy Tar. Captain Cinnamon Buns. Captain Alex. C. Roper 17. Daniel Cold. Daniel Phillips. Daniel Valencia. Doxon. Desert Colt 18. Doo Doo Face. Dulce, Dulce a. Oh no. Dolce Aguera? Aguera? Oh, right. okay. Dino Punch! Elite Peach. Espars 50. 
Oh, I get it this week. Far Priest 69. Nice. Fairbound. Fernie and Jess Forever. Fox Deploy and his dog Bernard. Fred Rossi. Garrett Hullfish. Garth the Wolf. Gartooth. G Sun 101. Ian Shea. Israel Izzy. J Rando. Jabroni Jones. JK99. JBJ. Jeffrey Hernandez. Jerry 92602. Jesse Hernandez. John Responte. Jonathan Rowe. Jordan Hemmerly. Joseph DeHayes. Josh. Joseph Quinn. Joshua Clements. Juji Fruit. Julius Westenberg. Just Camtro. Kawa 2796. Kelpshake. Kevin Delane. Chris Yu. Christorati Kid. Christobia Party with me. Kyle Gamer Barry Rookie. Kyle Kretzer. Tyler Nelson. Linnell Stickman. Lego My Frogo. Lena! Lil Sebastian. Lit. Mad Dog 5981. Marky Man 64. Mecha Dragon 101. Megan. Michael Cravens. Michael White. Mikey. Motomania. Mr. Andy Pong. MSN Poke Gamer. Mr. Beans and Dip. My Tran. Nasir. Nathan Burkhart. Panda Buns. Palgo Network. Prime Factor. Cr- Prince Charmless. Reaver. Ray uh, Ray Tech. Ray Charon. Ryuji Utsuha Okuu. Renee Rivers. Ryoth One. RJ Kern. Rob Osborne. Renana Rex. Rocks. Rianetta. Sam Newland. Sharif Jackson. Shinryu. Slowbro. Schmiggles. Shrews. Silly Ferret. Spicy Munchkin. Steals a Trone. Tales of Link. Tefu. Terra Storm. Thomas Alvarez. Topher Schmofer. <laughs> Travis Storline. Troopage. Tugs Puppy Bear. Tusku. Tyler Geis. Video Game Stupid. Virtual Bot. Wicked Davy. Will Ernst. Will Johnson. Zutaverf. Zelgaroth. Zeroid. I always like it when I can get the Jeffrey Hernandez, Jesse Hernandez combo. Oh. Not related. Not related. Not related. Could be related. But not. Long we've, lost. We've confirmed. Not related. Half a medallion. Huh? They each have half a medallion. You should just They were given to them at birth. When they were separated, and then they came together and realized in this Discord that they wow. were long lost twins. Uh, interesting episode today. <laughs> it's all over, everybody. Yes. Speaking of things Quite that are over, this episode literally, this episode is over. <laughs> okay. Don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon. It's Patreon.com/slash/Kit and Krista. Help us keep this going. Yeah. Help us get to Japan. Can't do it without you. Some other things you can do to help us out if you'd like. If you're watching on video, you can go ahead and subscribe. Yes. Give this video a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Leave a comment. Those yeah. are all great. If you're listening on audio, leave a five-star rating and a written review. And the socials. Follow us. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. All of the socials. Um, that's it. We made it. We did. All right. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.